from Relay FM. This is the 2021 Upgradies Awards, and these awards are brought to you by Squarespace, ZocDoc, and Memberful. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by my co-master ceremonies for this year's Upgradies Awards, Jason Snell. Hello, Jason Snell. Hello, my fellow co-master. <laughs> it's pretty good, right? Co-master of ceremonies? Uh, that's weird, but oh, it's fine. What else would you call them? Like people that host an award show? Just hosts? Co-host? <laughs> yes. Co-hosts? But I wanted to make it different to normal, because this is a I special know, right. evening. Co-master of ceremonies it is, then. This is the eighth annual Upgraders Awards, mm. which is a great thing to have gone eight of these now. It's hard to believe. So in a couple of years, tenth. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah, I know. If you don't know what the Upgradies are, every year we award some of our favorite apps, media, and trends in technology with recognition. Some of these awards, I guess, would be considered good for the recipients. Some may be less desired. Uh, Unlike other awards ceremonies, which are just people reading out the winners of each category where the deliberations are done in secret, we go through our process here so you get to hear how we reach our verdicts. Both Jason and myself come to each category with our own selections, and we take into account the results of our public nomination that we've been running for the last month or so, and we give the top three uh, winners in each category, kind of nominations in each category, as voted by the Upgradians, and we take those into consideration as we make our final decision on who wins in each category. Uh, thank you to everybody that did put in their nominations over the last month or so. It's hundreds and hundreds yes. and hundreds of you, so thank you so much for doing that. And thank you for compiling all of those many nominations, Mike. Because Oh, it was a-, a fun little task to do during some holiday mm. downtime. Uh, If you would like to see a history of all of the previous award winners over the last many years of the Upgradies, you can go to Upgradies.com and find that. That website is lovingly uh, built and maintained by a friend of the show, Zach Knox. I would also like to give a couple of other thanks before we start. The uh, artwork for this year's uh, Upgradies, which of course is laser-inspired, was provided and produced by David Dooley. And the theme song for the Upgradies was created by... Upgrade composer, Chris Breen. Yes, Yes, composer of the show, Chris Breen. Composer of the show. Our in-house composer, Chris Breen. Mm -hmm. It's true. Uh, We also have a selection of Lifetime Achievement Award winners in the Upgradies, which we'll discuss throughout the show as we hit hit each category that they are related to. Uh, As a reminder, Lifetime Achievement is given to a recipient after three wins in the same category over the history of the upgrades so we can get new winners coming in and out Mm -hmm. because i think sometimes there are some categories where we could have maybe had seven or eight time winners at this point so should we get on with the awards let's do it so we start as we always do by looking at some apps and our first category of the evening is going to be the best ios app Uh, overcast is the lifetime achievement award winner in this category because obviously listeners of this show love podcasts and love Overcast. So would you like to know how the Upgradians nominated for best iOS app? Yes, please. With 4.9% of the vote is TweetBot. 11.8% of the vote is Apollo. And 15.7% of the vote goes to CarrotWeather. I feel like CarrotWeather and Apollo, they are always up here. Perennial. Yeah. Perennial choices by the Upgradians. Carrot Weather is a multiple-time runner-up in this category, one-time winner in 2017. Interesting. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that's a good one. It's on my list. Carrot Weather is on my list as okay. best iOS app. I didn't used to use Carrot Weather before a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrot Weather, I think, added, and this may be when it won last time, it added support for weather stations uh, via a weather station network. So I was able to get like my temperature in mm. Carrot Weather, which was great. Love that. Um, I still use it. This year, it did its update with the like uh, interface changes right uh it's within the last year i think that may have been last year that the the interface Mm. if it wasn't last year it was very early this year i've had a real struggle trying to remember the time span of 2021 way more Uh, than 2020 strange isn't it yeah like adina mentioned this to me at one point and it's completely accurate like it really feels like our year began when we were vaccinated before then it was like a different year, so right, big hazy but year. Carrot Weather has had, shall I say, an absolutely incredible year. It won yeah, a, an Apple Design Award and an App of the Year Award from Apple. Yeah, and I believe it, it was this year that they did the modular design. St- well, they okay. by, by they I mean Brian Carrot, the person Brian Carrot, Mr. Carrot, who mm-hmm. who does Carrot Weather, um, and. It was, uh, when I first saw it, in fact, I remember sending a, a, a message to you when the first beta of the new Carrot Weather design came out, uh, <laughs> yeah. where I said, uh, did you see that? Like, Because it was rough. You folks. were worried, it was right? really, You were I was worried. really worried. Mm-hmm. But by the time it got to the end, it, you could make it, uh, you know, I think this was what Brian Carrot's vision was all along, which is um, basically make your own weather app. And have it look the way you want. And he created a whole bunch of different presets if you don't want to go into detail. But that is settled down and that is my go-to weather app now. And I, I like it a lot. I get frustrated sometimes with the data that's displayed on the Apple Watch. But again, mm-hmm. I, I that is a, a universal thing. I, complications on the Apple Watch don't get updated the way that they should. Um, it's not Brian Carrot's fault. It's not Carrot Weather's fault. So um, I think that's a great choice by the Upgradians. I had a few others that yep. I wanted to throw on the pile for consideration. One Please. of them is is uh, Net Newswire, which uh, I wrote th- about this at Six Colors. Um, Net Newswire became a daily part of my media consumption this year. Um, Net Newswire uh, was released, I think, last year for iOS, and it's free. It's open source. Uh, it's a classic RSS reader going back, you know, many many years on the Mac. And um, I'm using it in combination with uh, Feedbin, which has an email gateway to be the place that I read a whole bunch of newsletters that I've subscribed to this year. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I've added in RSS feeds because once you're in Net Newswire, you might as well add RSS feeds. And it it's an app that has has absolutely changed my uh, my media consumption. I think, and and for the better, I would say, um, and it works the way I like it. So I I, I want to mention Net Newswire as a possibility here. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Scriptable, uh, which I know I mentioned last year as well. Scriptable is a, a JavaScript app that lets you do a JavaScript on iOS, but it uh, added support for widgets last year, and um, that has been a game changer for me because I was able to build my own widgets to show my own data and i think uh i think that's really cool this is uh simon stovering in uh, copenhagen who makes this app simon scriptable all indie developers are name naming their apps after themselves so that would make me and you jason and mike upgrade maybe 
maybe in the context of this show yeah it would be so jason upgrade says to mike upgrade mm-hmm. yeah maybe nice. maybe uh i'm gonna put broadcasts in this category i listen to live podcasts on my um, iphone and apple watch uh especially connected which is a fine show here at Relay FM, mm-hmm. but also Accidental Tech Podcast. But Connected happens during the day, and so I'm frequently listening to that on my iPhone or my Apple Watch. And that's Steve Trotton Smith's uh, app. It's also on the Mac. Um, but I love that I can do that on my iPhone and my Apple Watch to listen to live streaming podcasts. And uh, Carrot Weather was my fourth. So those are my other suggestions here. So the conversation about Carrot Weather made me add carrot weather to my list uh, there are many categories where i've come with multiple recommendations this was yep. one where i just came with one um because i i for me i know what my favorite ios app is probably of all time carrot weather is way up there like i would say carrot weather is uh, without a shadow of a doubt the very best apple watch app ever made i've said that before mm. and, and this, that isn't a category we have here because it we would run out after three years. Yeah. <laughs> we just give it to Carrot Weather each time and then have to close down <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the award category. But Carrot Weather is genuinely one of my favorite applications. It's absolutely fantastic and has continued. It's gotten it's leaps and bounds this year. Like it's come along like so far. Yeah. Uh, widgets was a big thing for that app for me, mm-hmm. I think, and, and really solidified it as, as being such a fantastic application. But the app that I wanted to mention, which I will always mention, is Timery. Uh, Timery by Joe Timery is <laughs> maybe, the for me, not maybe, it is my favorite iOS app ever. Like, it, I get such great use out of it, right? So it's, you know, it's, it's personal to me. Time tracking is a big part of my life. But this application, the amount of work that is put into this and new features is, it's truly astounding. Like some of my favorite additions in the past year before we even possibly get to talking about the Mac application that was made this year as well. Like things like now for setting a timer, there's some auto-completing stuff. So you can start, maybe if I start typing in it, like as soon as I press start a timer, it pops up a text field. I type in like UPG and it will give me all of the things that I have tagged with upgrade and all my various projects that I've run in the past. So it's just given me auto-completing of past entries that I've had. Things like customizable buttons to adjust a time frame. So say I've opened a timer and really, actually, I started this like 15 minutes ago. I can just hit a little button, turns the timer back by 15 minutes and starts from then. Uh, The Excel widget on iPad is so good. And it's one of, I think, the smartest ways of implementing that widget class where uh, Joe just took four medium widgets and put them in a big grid. <laughs> so mm. it's just like what four of the various widget types that is made for the app is just put them in one big, uh, one big widget. It really is just absolutely fantastic, uh, and it really feels like an application that's so well made for the task that it performs. Um, and it's is really just, I think, a, a masterclass in long term app development. It's absolutely fantastic. Right, and I'll take your word for it because I don't track my yeah, time. I know you don't, <laughs> uh, and and I don't use the three of the apps that you mentioned, right? But I understand right. their the quality. But I I really feel like it's this is a foregone conclusion for the winner this year. You know, now that we've gone through this, put carrot back in there. Yeah. All right, it is done. I feel like it's got to be right. Carrot weather is yeah. the winner, and our runner-ups. I guess we'll go. I'll put Timery in, and do you want to pick okay. a runner-up from your yeah. list? I'm going to pick. Um, let's do broadcasts. We're going to go broadcasts from Steve Broadcasts. 
Steve broadcasts, yes. So the winners and runners-up. Actually, <laughs> technically, it's Steve broadcasts Smith. It's hyphenated. <laughs> Steve broadcasts pastel. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Oh, yes. Steve broadcasts pastel. <laughs> right. Uh, so the winners and runners-up in each category, they are listed on the Upgrades website. Uh, I'm not going to include them in the show notes for spoilers, so I don't put the yeah, the winners right. in. So you can find the, the winners and runners-up of each category on Upgrades.com. Congratulations to Brian Carrot uh, for mm-hmm. picking up. And the whole Care family. Second victory. So. Yep, on the uh, now on the on the doorstep of lifetime achievement. Mm-hmm. Best newcomer iOS app. The yeah. Upgradians voted with seven point two percent for Affirmations, eight percent for Obsidian, and ten percent for Amplosion. Um, I feel like the Upgradians have been listening to Connected because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where I know about these apps. Affirmations, um is not something that i have used but um i think i it's like it's just like daily positive yeah affirmations it is made by wonderful relay fm uh listener and discord community member justin justin uh, hamilton right yep oh yeah i wrote this i wrote this up so i did use this briefly because i yep. wrote it up as a, an example of a nice just it's just nice because it's telling yeah. you positive things, and the, and it's really beneficial in the the widget, so you can get a widget touching this stuff. But it's also one of my favorite screens in an iOS app ever, which is just a fidget screen, and it's just like a mm. bunch of controls that don't do anything. It's very cool. Um, and then Amplosion is a amp removal extension. Yeah, it's a Safari plugin, and I think yeah. that this was the year on iOS where you got Safari extensions, mm-hmm. and it's a big deal. And I'm and you and I are both going to mention Safari extensions as well. And Amplosion mm-hmm. is one that was its primary task is to remove basically AMP, which is that Google like l- website light version that you get trapped on, and it's really bad, especially if you're trying to send a link to somebody because then you're sending them the AMP link, which isn't the real link. Um, and so it kind of overrides yep. that and sends you to the right page. Mm-hmm. And that's produced by Christian Christian Amplosion, Amplosion uh, also known as Christian. <laughs> Uh, Apollo. Apollo Amplosion, yes, uh-huh. that's true. Uh-huh. I have uh, I have three suggestions in this category. Okay. Um, a, a new one that just just happened over the weekend, actually, but I'm going to throw it in here. Thanks to the recommendations of the good people over at Max Stories, is is Mela uh, by yep. uh, Silvio Reader. <laughs> yep, I love this app. <laughs> this is. One of yeah. the most beautiful iOS apps I've ever seen, and it's so simple. So there, it is fantastically designed. Uh, there are look, there are a lot of recipe apps out there. Mm-hmm. I have been writing about recipe apps since the days uh, where where they were kind of like based on HyperCard. Like literally, uh, there was an app called Manja by Uptil Upstill Software that was on the Mac back in the monochrome Mac days, and I used it. I, so I've seen I've seen them all. Um, and there are some good ones out there now. I know a lot of people like Paprika. Um, Mela really impresses me, um, partially because of its design and then partially because of its functionality. It is There's a beta, that so it's not public yet, but there's a beta that does sharing, which is, imp- oh, is super important. That's what I want. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah. That this was I was going to say. Get Adina on the test flight. Beta. This would be my <laughs> app of the year. Like my I if, if it did that, it is missing it the one feature I wanted, which is being able to share yeah. an entire library of people. Literally on Christmas Eve, I I emailed uh, Silvio 
Re- Silvio Reader, <laughs> who does Mela, confusing, and uh, and Silvio uh, sent me a test flight link, and I got it on Lauren's iPad, and I got it on my iPad, and and we oh are now God. connected, and oh that makes God, all the difference. Anyway, what I love about this app too is that it will uh, it will let you take a picture of a recipe. It will it has an in app browser, um, and when you navigate to a page that's got a recipe on it, it shows you in another pane what the import is going to be, and it's a very good web import. Um, my only complaint actually is that I have a few uh, recipes that are in text files, like in files or in mm-hmm. notes, and I want a way for it to to share that text basically with Mela and have it consume it and turn it into a recipe using its kind of intelligence that it seems to have. But it's yeah, it's a beautifully designed app, and all of my uh, Christmas cooking and baking was done in Mela this year, and that's not bad for an app that I I literally downloaded like four days ago, five days ago. But it's it's great, so that one's high on my list. I am very excited about that. Like, this app is so beautiful. Like, I love Reader, too. Like, Reader is one of my very, very favorite apps. I should have put that in as a potential nomination, but I I love the way that app looks. And what's so great about Mela is that Silvio just took what they clearly know about how to pass text, right, and just applied that to this which I think is super good. Yeah, I Yes, great app. Oh, man, I'm so yep. excited about the sharing. Yeah. Uh, a couple other nominations in this newcomer iOS app category. Tayo, which I've written about a little bit. Tayo is really interesting. It is a text editor. It's a markdown text editor. And I've been, uh, I've been using it a bit. It is not my number one. Uh, text editor on iOS, but it's up and coming. And the thing that impresses me about it the most is that in addition to having a whole JavaScript kind of like scriptability things for you to build macros with, they built their own like version of shortcuts inside their app with actions that let you build macro actions using blocks like shortcuts, which is just, it's wild. Um, It's over the top, but kind of brilliant and it's also like it's also a clipboard manager. It, it it's it's still trying to figure out what it wants to be, um, in some ways because it is a clipboard manager and a text editor, uh, and a floor wax and a dessert topping. So, um, I I but it's just the 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 boldness of building your own shortcuts interface essentially for just actions inside your app. It is wild. So Tayo is definitely one to watch, and I wanted to mention it here, and then. Uh, maybe my favorite newcomer iOS app, actually, talking about Safari extensions, is Noir, which is the app that or extension that puts all web pages in dark mode when you're in dark mode. Mm-hmm. Because nothing worse on my iPad than navigating when I'm in dark mode and it's night or early morning to a site that is blaring at me with a white background and black text on a white background. And that's over. Like, I installed Noir and that was it. It's over. And you can set it per site. So if there's a site that you don't want to override, you can do that. If you if you um if it finds a dark mode on a site, it doesn't override it. But if you don't like their dark mode, you can turn on Noir's dark mode and see if that makes you happier. But basically you set it and forget it and I love it. So Noir is my other nominee. Noir is really good. It's a really good app. I saw uh, Amplosion and I saw your option for Noir. And because I was struggling with this category, so it it made me want to pick an extension because that's been like a really cool thing this this past year is, is, mm-hmm. is the the addition of extensions. So I'm picking Super Agent for Safari, 
Super Agent is very simple, but it has improved my web browsing experience immensely. It pre-fills and removes the cookie notifications that pop up on websites. So when they want to get your cookies and they want to get your advertising preferences, uh, Super Agent fills them out for you, mostly in the background, so you never need to see them anymore. And you can, it's not just like removing them or like an ad blocker, it's actually filling them out. So mm-hmm. you can say what kind of settings you want and Super Agent will just complete it. And now, like if I ever use Safari View Controller, right, I'm like, what is going on with this web page? Yeah. Um, and Super Agent also gets rid of just like, you know, sometimes you get those little pop-ups like, hey, sign up for this newsletter. Like it removes yeah. some of those as well, which I really appreciate. It's a very simple application. It's free as well. Uh, and I really like it. And I have it on all my devices now. Yeah, the challenge with something like Super Agent is you only notice when it isn't working, right? Mm-hmm. Because you get something like that. I wonder if I'm getting... I, I have not with any of these sort of like uh, cookie consent blockers, I haven't had as much luck with it as I've heard other people seem to have with it. And I wonder if it's because I'm in California, so I'm getting the California cookie consent problems, whereas most of the people who complain about this problem are in Europe and they're getting the European cookie consent problems. It's very possible. They're not being coded for whatever it is you're receiving. Uh, but I have had flawless luck with this mm. application. Uh, yeah, these are great. Um it is. I think it is the year of the Safari um, extension on mm-hmm. iOS. I, I think that's it. I my my choice here is Noir. Believe it or not, I just think it is a life changing <laughs> moment in terms of my use of my iPad in the evenings to have everything. Because that was always my complaint when we did dark mode. Mm-hmm. When they when they were like, "Oh, dark mode, it's finally here," and then you go to a web page, it's like it's not because all these web pages, even now after years now of knowing how to make a dark mode version of your website, there are sites that just don't care. Yeah, and it's so great to just say <laughs> the websites don't care, but I do care, <laughs> and I have made your website into dark mode. It is, uh, it's great. So that's my my nomination. I don't use Noir all the time, but I have it installed because I use dark mode all the time, and so right. I, I don't necessarily want to force the color change of websites permanently, constantly. But I do have it installed and I turn it on. And I will say, of all of the uh, extensions I have used, I think it's the best made one. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks really nice and still yeah. has a lot of cool features. So I would be totally down with... Uh, honestly, I would be down with an all uh, web extensions. Mm-hmm. So I was I, mm-hmm. I would have leant towards Mela, but if you would lean towards Noir as your winner from that category, then... Maybe we should go with Noir as the winner and Super Agent and Amplosion as the runners-up. It would certainly be a fun sort of message to send yeah. on on what this year was. Well, let's do it. Let's okay. let's let's call that. So, congratulations to let's checking here, Jeffrey Noir, uh, <laughs> <laughs> for, for winning this category, and and we'll just put uh, Super Agent and Implosion as the other two, and it's the year of Safari extensions on iOS. Yep. As an asterisk, I would just say like the One Password one is also excellent, but One Password not a new app. So, yeah, I uh, have some issues with the One Password one okay. because of the authentication. Um, I authenticate in 1Password using Face ID, except that extension doesn't seem to have access to Face ID. No, and you have to put your, uh, you have to type your password in, and then you can choose like an like a refresh time. Yeah, I don't that I hate that. 
Yeah. And I, I, I get that that's something where the extensions don't have access to the biometric authentication, but it stinks. I hope that someone at Apple will recognize that. Maybe it just wasn't yeah. a thing they needed or thought it was needed. Yeah. You know? If you if you use the 1Password uh, share extension and biometric, biometrically authenticate, then it's unlocked and it will be unlocked for the extension. But okay. you can't just uh, unlock with the extension without it, typing in that password. And I hate that. It's okay. like on my iPad, I don't want to type in that password. I want it to authenticate and know it's me and just do it. My face is my one password in that case. We now move on to best Mac app. The Upgradians voted thusly with 3.9% for Pixelmator Pro, 6.3% for Obsidian, and 7.3% for Croft. Hmm. A lot of note-taking happening out there in Upgradian land. That's the thing, right? That's been one of the trends of this year, the last two years, but this year especially, is these uh, personal note-taking mind applications. Um, I, I really, really like Croft. I would say it is a great example of a Mac app. I don't know if I would call it my best Mac app. Hmm. Like I think it is. I mean, you know, everybody says this is true. It's one of, if not the best catalyst app. However, I would say Timery uh, would really bump up against that. Um, it, but it's it's a great example of what a catalyst app can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know I, I know. But I personally have other an other app on the Mac that I think is is really good, and I like your suggestions too. So, would you like to tell the upgradians what they are? All right. Um, one is Swiftbar. Mm-hmm which was the replacement for BitBar. It is the utility that lets you put anything you want up in your Mac menu bar by running a script. And it can be a script. It can be a shell script. It can be an Apple script. It can be a Perl script. It can be a PHP script. It can be a Python script. It doesn't matter. A JavaScript. Anything that will run in the command line and output something, that output will go in your menu bar. And you could set it how long it's to refresh. These apps have been around for a while now. I love it. I keep writing, you know, and modifying, writing new ones, modifying existing ones i have it uh, right now it's showing me how many live listeners we've got it's showing me the temperature and the rainfall outside i've got a, a little thing that shows me the air quality outside um i've got one that shows me what track is playing in music that that uh, a friend of mine requested that i put together uh for him or and so i found one and then i just customized it based on his desire and sent it off to him like it is a great little utility that also because it lives in the menu bar um it is very mac very Mac-like. It's important. Mac, menu bar, they go together. Okay, so my next one is bartender. We're staying in the menu bar. Staying up there, Mike. Yep. You like like it up there? You like the menu bar? I like it when I have bartender on. Hmm, yeah. So bartender updated. Bartender, it's been a rough couple of years for bartender in the sense, not of their own making, but in the sense that Apple has kept, has like messed with the menu bar. They mess with the menu bar uh, size. They mess with the. They put a notch up there on, on the new well, laptops. Well, you say I wouldn't say rough year. I would say like the, the notch was a gift to bartender. Uh, well, that's that's true. Well, but it's challenging technically the last yep. couple of years. I feel like macOS updates and hardware updates have made the menu bar, which was maybe a little bit of an island of stability for a while, mm-hmm. into a free-for-all. Like, what yeah, is happening? There's mm-hmm. Control Center is up there now. What's going on with that? There's a notch. There's different sized stuff. Like, there's so much up there. And every now and then even even with like really knowledgeable people i listen to podcasts or people would write things and they'd be like oh this is this menu bar stuff and my response was always like use bartender 
Just use Partender. It is for years. It is the definitive way to organize your Mac menu bar, and I love it. Uh, I mostly use it to create a me- an invisible menu bar space. That is my number one use of 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 Bartender. Is I have the way I've got it set up. I have a few menu bar icons that are visible all the time, and then if I move my pointer over the space where they're next to it, where there isn't anything, a bunch appear. And those are the menu bar icons that I don't need to see at a glance, but I might need to interact with at some point. And all of that is possible and a whole lot more in Bartender. Uh, So I love it. It's great. And uh, my third suggestion, and this is going to be a duplicate of the next category because this is a newcomer, but I'm seriously going to say... I want to consider it as best Mac app too. Uh, it's an app that I first heard about uh, from you and Steven. Hmm. It's uh, Mimestream. Not the best name. Terrible name. It's not. It's not. Not the best name. Bad name. I have no. I don't care about saying it because the app's amazing, and I'll well, say that. Well, when name the name is so bad, it. you can confidently say it's not the best, right? It's clearly yeah. far from the Mimestream. Mm-hmm. But. This year, uh, what is it? This year, Google changed its rules about embedded browsers accessing its services. And what that meant is that the app that I have used for years to do my email, Mailplane, basically ceased development because they realized they saw the writing on the wall. They were not going to be able, they could f- fight it for a while, but in the end, their product was not going to be allowed by Google. And I love Mailplane because it was basically a Mac. Uh, it was a whole bunch of Mac stuff around the Gmail web experience. And that's because I don't use Apple Mail. I haven't used Apple Mail for a long time. I find it unreliable, slow, bad at searching, bad at getting new mail in my mailbox in a timely fashion, uh, bad especially when the connections are slow, but actually kind of bad when the connections are good too. I don't like it, uh, especially on the Mac. And so I switched to Mailplane, which is just loading the Gmail web page, and it's great. It, except now, um, and it added like Mac keyboard shortcuts and Mac drag and drop, and uh, clicking on a link would open the Mac default application, and it was all that stuff just around the edges to sort of make this Gmail web page into something that feels more like a Mac thing because I'm on the Mac. But it's going to go away. So. Uh, Within like a week or two of that sad news, when I started sort of shopping around for another way to check my email, I heard about Mimestream, which is in beta. It is from somebody who um, used to work on the Apple Mail team, actually, mm-hmm. and is now off on his own. And it's, uh, what? and what's his name? Do we know his name? I can find it out for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let me know. Um, <laughs> I mean, he obviously, it's Mimestream. He named it for himself. Um, the, the, oh, it's a uh, Neil, Neil Mimestream, Neil Mimestream. Yes. <laughs> anyway, he, uh, he made this app and it is uh, eventually he, I think he wants it to be more, but out of the gate, it is a native Mac app that is a Gmail client. And what that means is everything works better. Cause I, as a Gmail user, everything works better than Apple mail does with Gmail. It, it understands what Gmail labels are. It understands what Gmail search 
is if I do a search in MimeStream, it does with, and I can do the qualifiers and whatever that I would do in, in a Gmail, because that's the number one reason the Gmail is great, is that the search is amazing. It's Google. Uh, it just, it works in MindStream. It's native <laughs> Mac interface back to buy all of that Gmail power. I love it. It I switched immediately and it is such a revelation and such a discovery. Still technically in beta, so it's still free. He will charge for it eventually. Mm. Sign me up. Sign me up for whatever you're charging, Neil MindStream, because I love it. I echo everything you said about both Bartender and MimeStream. They're two Mac apps that I love. Um, and maybe we'll talk about MimeStream a little bit more in a minute. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to say CleanShot X, which is an application that I have been on a bit of a unnecessary or undesired press tour for over the last... Yes, I know, I've noticed this. Because I, I think it's so fantastic. It's it, it really is a vastly better screenshot tool than the one that Apple ships. All right. I, I would, I'm curious a little bit about, about what makes it vastly better. And I mm-hmm. say this because I heard you talking to Stephen about this. Mm-hmm. And the features that he, I think he mentioned that it did all are in the stock because stock Apple screenshot mm-hmm. thing. He was like, oh, you can take a screenshot without a, a shadow. Yeah, you can do that in the stock Apple screenshot. You can take it with, you know, you can, you can put on the clipboard. that like. And what that says to me is that Apple stock thing is bad at discoverability, mm-hmm. but, but very fully featured. So explain to me why I, as somebody who knows all the tricks of the Apple screenshot tool, why I should try CleanShot X. An intellectual should try CleanShot X. My point is, you're not going to get me with a feature that already exists, but I mm-hmm. don't know about it. All right. So you're left with, what does it do better? That not, what does it show, uh, you know, show off better, but what does it actually do better than the stock Apple stuff? Okay, so one thing, it has a lot of customizability, which I enjoy. So you can choose what part of the screen you want the little um, preview to show up on, for example. And you can choose how big you want it to be and stuff like that. You can choose how long uh, it stays around. You can choose if and when it will disappear and what needs to happen for that. You can choose where to save stuff and all those kinds of things. So there's a little bit more customizability or easier to access customizability. The markup tools that are in the application, I much prefer and are easier to use. Um, and it, I don't know, it, it does things in a way that make more logical sense to me. Like if I take a screenshot, I don't always, I just want to take the screenshot and then make the decision about what I want to do with it. I don't want to mm-hmm. have to activate like a specific keyboard shortcut combination to get what I want. So like I take the screenshot and then I can hover over it and press copy or I can hover over it and do the, what I need to do right. and then just press command C. Like, Or you can drag the things around really easily. I don't remember if Apple's version does this. Like you can just drag the screenshot and put it into a text field. I also like that you can stack multiple screenshots on top of each other and they just stack up. So you could take a bunch of screenshots of a bunch of things and it's not like it doesn't replace each one each time. Mm. You get a new one every time. Um, yeah, uh, I, it does uh, video recording, which you can also turn into GIFs really easily if oh. you want to. It does um, full screen. So if you want to take like a scrolling screenshot of like a web page, you can do that. Uh, it has a timer built into it if you want that. 
Um, it also does stuff like you can choose to, if you take a screenshot of your desktop or something on your desktop, you can uh, remove all the des- all the things you have on your desktop so they don't show up in the screenshot. This That's is nice. also the same for video. So if you were doing a screencast, you don't actually have to clean up anything. And you can also, if you want to, choose a screen, uh, like a background that will show up in those screenshots. It doesn't have to be your desktop background. Mm. So basically That's- it's... It does a lot of the basics the same, but then has a ton of customizability. And a lot of the things that they allow you to customize are the exact things I want to customize, but Apple doesn't allow for the options for. And also, as I say, like I'm, I feel like I'm able to make my decisions more slowly and in my own time rather than having to decide exactly what right. I want. If you don't the... hold down option right now, yeah. everything is ruined. Yep. So I only need to remember two shortcuts one for capture an area one for capture the whole screen all right well said so that's what i like about it okay um so for me uh i would be cool with craft i would be cool as which was the upgradians pick i would be cool with bartender um obviously clean shot x uh mm-hmm. i think between me and you, I think Mimestream's got a really good shot in the next category. I think I I think it does. So I, I would say, you know, I would be really good with Bartender, personally. Let's do it. All right. So we're going to go with the winner for the best Mac app of 2021 to be Bartender with the runners-up. Should we go with... Clean Shot. Clean Shot. And, and Craft. Yeah, that works for me. Good work, uh, Bartender. I don't know the developer's name, so... We'll just go with bartender person for the time being. Mr. Bartender. So, uh, best newcomer Mac app. And the Upgradians voted thusly. This is really interesting to me. Craft, 9%. Now, that was interesting. Because Craft won best Mac app. But <laughs> I got a higher percentage in best newcomer Mac app. But there you go. Huh. Uh, Mimestream with 11.2% and Shortcuts with 16.4%. Mm. Okay, shortcuts. Yeah. I I had shortcuts on my original shortlist. Yep. And it's on and my I, list. I I felt like I I couldn't commit to it because it's I I feel like next year I could maybe give it my mm. best Mac app, but like with the things that I have in my category, they are they are fully formed apps <laughs> that do yes. their job properly. And shortcuts does that most of the time? I think I think shortcuts has gotten it has gotten better and is getting better because I yep. think Apple realized what they shipped wasn't good enough. It is weird and not Mac like in a lot of ways, and some of it is me getting used to it and its quirks. But that's not like that's not great. That's not great with the oh, I have very specific behaviors I only ever do when I'm in shortcuts. <laughs> it's like no, it shouldn't really be like that. But that's sort of how it is right now. Um, but it's getting better. And everything around it is great, and it has been a game changer on the Mac already in terms of what I'm capable of doing. But the app is still kind of janky, mm-hmm. so I wanna I wanna praise its functionality and what it enables, while also saying that as a as an app, and we are so app focused with these categories, mm, mm, like I'm so happy that it's there. I wish it was better at, but it's you know it's functional but not great mm-hmm. and that's uh that's tough to to give any you know 
award to. Um, my others, other ones in this category, Swift Bar, which I've already mentioned. Um, it yep. came out end of last year, so basically in the period where it was sort of too late. Um, and um, and Mimestream, which we just talked about, which um is fantastic. I love having shortcuts on my Mac, and I love interacting with it from the menu bar. I have yet to really spend a lot of time building a shortcut on my Mac. I think I want to give that a little bit more time. I also feel like I haven't really had the opportunity to fully dig into shortcuts, like um, um, like um, the possibilities for the Mac. But just having, you know, I have the menu bar and I have the five uh, shortcuts that I use really frequently. And I really love having access to those right there as well as needing, like other than needing to just pick up an iOS device and fire right. it off, you know. Yeah, I just I showed you something last week that I built, which is that now the Mac integration is starting to hit with shortcuts. So like I can run a shortcut in launch bar and instead of just running it, I can press I can I can select it and type space and then put in input and it is passed as input to the shortcut. So I built a thing that searches six colors. So if I want a search term I want to find something in six colors, it used to be that I, I could either search for it, but you know, I would end up in a web browser window. And then I need to click on the link of the one that I wanted and copy it to the clipboard. And I built a shortcut that takes input. So it comes from launch bar and it, then it throws up a little uh, list of all the article headlines that match it that were came back from the server. And I pick one and it copies it to the clipboard. It's mm-hmm. just, it's so good. And the, the extra magic that's happening there is that launch bar, a utility that I use all the time is now talking to the shortcut. And that puts it over the edge. So, like, it's really great that it's there. But And it's one of the big stories of this year. But I don't think it certainly can't be a winner for Best Newcomer Mac app because of all the problems in the app. So, um, and, and your two, I'm looking at your list here, is two apps that you've mentioned before. Yeah. Um, Mimestream, which we've talked about, and Timery on the Mac side, which is uh, uh, the Catalyst version of, of Timery from the, uh, from the iOS side. Yeah, and it's super good. I think it's Catalyst. I'm pretty sure it's a Catalyst app. I think so. And I just think that Joe has done a wonderful job with Timery. Like it started off as like, hey, here's the iOS app, right? Like I was on the beta, right? And it's like basically here's the iOS app. And then has added a bunch of stuff to the application, like sidebar support and stuff like that, which has then found its way back into the app. And you remember that thing I was mentioning earlier about like the auto-completing when you type something in? That fact first in its in the Mac app and then it found its way to the iOS app as well. And but my very favorite thing that it has is a it's up in the menu bar. And it's showing me what my current timer is, but I can very easily click it. I can start a timer. I can choose from save timers or recent timers. It really feels like a great example of an application that started life as a Catalyst app and now does all this other stuff that not necessarily a a standard Catalyst app. I was going to say capitalist, not a standard capitalist app would do. Um, but like, it's, I just think is that, that Joe's done just a wonderful job with, with the timery Mac app. It's, you know, I, when, when Apple Silicon came out, uh, it wasn't one of the apps that was like enabled that you could just run. And I was disappointed about that. But honestly, I'm just happy that I waited now because the result of this one has been vastly superior. And as I say is in going down this development path has actually made all of the apps on all of the platforms better which I just think is like really awesome. I just think that that's yeah. a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my other uh, nomination is Mimestream. So, 
you should say you heard about this from uh from me and Stephen. I heard about it first from Stephen on Mac, on a Mac Power Users episode. Mm. I use Gmail, and what I was looking for, so for one email account that I run, I didn't want it to be in my standard email app where I have a bunch right. of accounts. So I wanted to keep it off on its own, and I was looking for something to put it in. And I thought, oh, I'll give this MimeStream a try because I couldn't I couldn't switch to MimeStream for all of my email for two reasons: one, not all of my email is Gmail, and two, I've come to really rely on. Uh, Spark's email sharing system so I can share email with our VP of sales and we can go th- right. talk about email and stuff like that. So I couldn't leave that. It's too important to my workflow now. But what I really love about Mimestream is it's like, hey, what about all of the best features of Gmail but in an application that's nice yeah. and looks good and is very frequently updated and has everything that you want. Like one of my favorite things, which is very simple, but like so many other apps just don't do or can't do or whatever, is it has the support for the like auto filtering that Google does, like promotions and updates and that kind of thing. You know, you just do, and it's easy. And what I also really love is I'm a very particular email person, right? I like my email set up in a certain way. And this app has every feature I've ever wanted for an email application, but not in like an obscene way. It's just, I think it's very thought through. Like something that's really important to me is if I read an email and archive that email or reply, what I want the email app to do is just send the app back to the inbox. Do not open the next email, uh, email, right? I do not want that ever. And there are way too many apps that you deal with an email and the next thing it does, hey, here's the next email. And it marks it as unread and then you've got the next email in front of you. I never want that. And MimeStream has a setting. So you can choose when you action an email, what happens next? And you can choose it. To me, that is like, if an app doesn't have that setting, I just feel like the person doesn't use email. <laughs> like I, if, if you always, every single time, want it to do one thing, I just don't right. think you're using email enough. Because... Yeah. That is a very particular thing that people want. Some people do their email, they just process it all at once. But lots of people do their emails well like I do, where it's like I do one at a time. Just because I've sent one email doesn't mean I now want to deal with the rest of it. So Right. Yeah. Mindstream is awesome. I love it. Yep. And that's why it's the winner. Yeah. Of best newcomer Mac app. This is an easy one. Yes. Uh, I really hope that uh, Neil Mimestream is able to continue <laughs> pushing this one, um, like yeah. support other types of email, you know, and 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 an iOS client as well, which I know is on their radar. Right. Yeah. Runners up uh, shortcuts. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was I on your so. list and the upgrades list and the upgrades list. Yeah. list. And it's can we true. put Timery in again? Sure. Awesome. Love you, Timery. Love you, Joe. I should create a, t- a timer mm-hmm. for when we talk about timery. I mean, it would be a lot for me. That would be a lot yeah, of time. Yeah, I'm just, that would be the only timer I would ever use, though, mm-hmm. would just be the timery timer. This episode is brought to you by Memberful. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience used by the biggest creators on the web. If we were giving uh, an upgrade award to really cool services that have made my life like a million times better, in the last year and a half, Memberful will be one of them. <laughs> I'm so happy as to what Memberful has enabled for us here at Upgrade and at Relay FM in general. Like they say, they want me to tell you, Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience used by the biggest creators on the web to generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. And Mike Hurley will tell you, yes, that is 100% true. <laughs> uh, we have had such a great experience with Memberful. 
Um, we've been using them for years. Like we've been using them since like 2015. But in the last year and a half, two years, we've really doubled down and integrated more of their features. And they've also been putting out a lot of great new features that we're able to take advantage of. And it's been an absolutely wonderful experience. They're a great company to work with, uh, a value partner for us now. And it's it's really given all of us here at Relay FM that are really like working on the membership stuff, it's given us that additional revenue stream in a time which has otherwise been weird since the beginning of 2020. So I really, it's just really great for that. So maybe you're already producing content, you're relying on advertising or other means of income. Memberful makes it easy to diversify that income with everything you need to run a membership program. It includes custom branding, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay, free trials, private podcasts, and tons more, while leaving you with full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, brand, and your membership offering. You can also send paid email newsletters directly through Memberful now without needing to connect to a third-party email provider. You can publish your paid newsletter content to a Memberful-hosted members-only website, and there's no additional fee when signed up for their pro or premium plans. So you And also, look, you'll be saving money compared to other popular-hosted newsletter platforms. Another thing, we were using a third-party email service. We've now, for we do like a monthly, Stephen writes a monthly newsletter, that goes out to our members and we moved over to memberful system and it's really great i just got that message it came in mime stream mm-hmm. there you go you got it it's it good just got sent out today it's great if you're a content creator memberful can help you monetize that passion get started for free at memberful.com upgrade with no credit card required that's memberful.com upgrade go there right now and check it out it could be the start of something exciting my thanks to memberful for the support of this show and relay fm so we now move into some media-related categories, and the mm. first one is Game of the Year. Typically, this has been non-mobile because we have an iOS Game of the Year category up exactly. next. Uh, and the Upgradians voted thusly with 4.5% going to Halo Infinite, 8.5% going to Forza Horizon 5, and 13.8% going to Metroid Dread. Now, I'm just going to say this up front, Jason. I haven't really done my, my, my homework this year. I have mm. I have not played many video games this year, especially in the last half of the year. Oh no! So this is but this would be like me not reading a book. Yeah, <laughs> this is the been, category. I, I I rely on you, Mike. Mm-hmm. Been pretty bad. Now, what I will say is, many of my friends basically made up a very similar list to this one. Forza Horizon Five is a game that I have played and really enjoyed it. Um, I would say. Honestly, so, you know, maybe spoilers. Uh, I don't know if I would have had a better game than Forza. Maybe Halo, but I haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, I don't think I would have played Metroid Dread. I know that lots of people love it, but it's not really right. my type of game. So I feel pretty happy myself in saying Forza Horizon 5. But what what have you been playing this year? All right. Well, guess what? I have opinions about right. this category because okay. I played some games that okay. were not iOS games. Okay. Unfortunately, they were also not Xbox games or PlayStation games. And I also believe, looking at your list, none of them released in 2021. Well, it doesn't matter because this is when I fell in love with them so that's all that matters yeah okay all right <laughs> okay and here's what they are super mario brothers <laughs> <laughs> that's right. space invaders game of the year come on it it deserves it i got an oculus quest 2 for christmas last year 
And the games that I've been playing this year are Oculus Quest games. And the two that I have fallen in love with are Eleven Table Tennis, because the world needed a super realistic virtual reality table tennis simulation. It's it is it's amazing. It is perfect, a perfect fit for the I technology. hate this game because I, I suck so at much. table tennis. Ah, <laughs> and it's too good. Well, you can dial the quality of the AI opponent yeah. down to nothing, and then it's like you're facing a tree across the that table. That was that was the only way I could play the game, and then I just yeah. felt like a fool. Really, I I have gotten up to I found my level where I am good enough to win sometimes but be challenged right and right. it's not a very high number um but i love it it is a, it is one of those things where it's like oh i see yes this is a good use of vr like of the controllers and the the hardware in general like it, it, i'm very impressed with 11 table tennis it's really good and um i'm on the beat saber train i gotta say mm-hmm. it, I, it it's a i am always okay rhythm games i don't like rhythm games that are push a button or tap a screen. I don't like them because the idea with rhythm is, you know, <laughs> you know, like tapping your 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 uh, toes, tapping your finger is not dancing, right? It, it's not. And and rhythm games are like that. They're they're kind of like full body games. They should be. And so when they say, well, we took Rock Band where you've got an instrument and or whatever, and we've just made it so you tap on a screen. It's like nah. It's a lot less interesting to me then. So Beat Saber, which makes you uh, lunge after boxes with a lightsaber to the tune of various kind of Polish industrial music, or if you pay, <laughs> Billie Eilish or Imagine Dragons, uh, is great. It is it, it, it is fulfilling something, something that Rock Band always used to fulfill for me, but of course with less equipment to be carted out than Rock Band requires. And, and better. It's better. Yeah, it it's is. the best rhythm game ever made. Like it, it just it's is. amazing. Yeah. And, and and this is the case. This is where I'm going to say, like what you said about eleven table tennis, that I'm terrible at it, and I need to do more. But I'm so terrible at it that I can actually make myself move and sweat and things not doing very well mm-hmm. and that's good enough but then you see people who are able to do incredibly well at it and they have better rhythm than me there's just no doubt about it but uh but still you're swinging your arms you're moving around uh you it's it's uh very effective it's a killer app i would say for this platform and it is the vr game yeah like, and i would yeah. i would go to so far as to say that whatever apple does with their headset they better have a rhythm game that is like you know <laughs> I don't know what they're going to call it. Uh, uh, thump. Uh, swords. Swords. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> thump swords. They, it better be their day one thump swords. Boom well, swords. Uh, Jameson, here's the thing. If Apple do this, there will be a million developers trying to make their own Beat Saber. Sure, their own right. Beat Saber. Yeah. That's that's also true. The only problem is it's owned by Meta, so you've got to be real careful. Well, and you can't just sign, you know, sign them up to uh-huh. appear on the platform because Meta has taken them away. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a great game; it really is, and I love both those games. So, uh, and I didn't, uh, you know, I thought, oh, VR, it's fun. I had fun with the PSVR, so I thought, oh, I'll get this thing. And uh, I, I wish there was a game, the other kind of game that I wish there was on, um, on the Quest that there isn't, is 
the I really did love the uh, the PSVR game with the little robots that is uh, Astrobot. Tokyo Studio yep. Astrobot Rescue, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. The, the, and the PS5 comes with an Astrobot that's cute, but like that was such a great VR game, uh, VR platformer, and I have not been satisfied with any of that kind of stuff on on the Meta platform. So may, that's something that maybe um, if Apple does it, or if there's a proper VR for the um, for some other gaming platform but anyway i i thought i think those games are both great and i want to at least recognize yep. them even though they didn't come out this year because this was the year that i i i i played them and loved them and i think they're great have you played any of the beat saber levels that you uh are in like 180 or 360 degrees oh god no Oh, Jason, no, I can't, they're so I, good. What, I can't what? even. Yeah, I understand. I understand. <laughs> I, I get. I get. I, I can't even do when the boxes when they when they change the the sides of the colors of the boxes. <laughs> I I I I die. Like I, I'm oh, so man. bad at it. I desperately want to see you play this game now. <laughs> the the 360 levels. Like once you get good, it takes practice. Once you get good at it, they are a whole. It's like a whole different kind of game. It's wild. They're a lot of fun. They're yeah. a lot of fun. Well, earlier this year, I um, I injured my rotator cuff, and it was one of those things where I was like, you know, it hurts. It's not fun. But the really sad part about it was, oh, it's a it, I'm like on the VR disabled list because mm-hmm. it it involves waving your arms around, and and for several months, I I really couldn't wave my arm around without pain. I was like, oh no. I I can't I can't play Beat Saber. I'm on the you know t- eleven table tennis injury list now. But uh, anyway, they're great. I think we're gonna have to go. We can put Beat Saber in as a runner up. I can't. Thank you. I can't. We can't give a game of. Uh, no, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, we'll go with Forza Forza Horizon it's, Five. So it's 11, oh, really? Oh, I, I yep. just assumed eleven table tennis by acclamation. Oh, I apologize. I apologize. Game of the year, but yes, okay. Well, uh, you're you're. This is a racing game, right, Mike? It's race cars, yeah, right? It's a good race car game. Great. Very very good racing car game set in Mexico. Forza Horizon Five is the winner of game of the best game of 2021 with Beat Saber and Metroid Dread as our runners up. All right. So we can move into iOS game of the year. Yay! With 4.6% of the vote goes to Good Sudoku Plus, 5% of the vote to Mini Motorways, and 5.5% goes to Alto's Odyssey The Lost City. Those are all Apple Arcade. All games. Apple Arcade. That was and I'll say as it went down from there, still a lot of Apple Arcade in the top Interesting. ten. Now I will say for me personally. This 2021 has not been a good new mobile game year. I, for me, for me, there has not been a standout new entry. I don't know why this is, hmm. um, but I have, I have not come across a game this year which I felt was really like, oh, wow, this is great. And for me as well, like that list there, it's very similar to me. It's like I've enjoyed a lot of games that have come back this year. You know, like Apple did their like uh, kind of classics thing where they brought like a bunch of really great games from the past and brought them back. Right. And or you know, and that is Mini Motorways was an Apple Arcade, just a straight up Apple Arcade game, original. Yeah, but it was a sequel to a you know already popular game. It's very different game. It, they're not. They're not that similar. I would say. Yeah, but you know what I mean, right? Like you yeah, look at it and it's like it. this is very clearly the same people they did this thing and that they're, they're doing yeah. a, the same kind of thing. Uh, good Sudoku Plus is good Sudoku, but 
now available on Apple Arcade. Alto's Odyssey to Lost City. Good is, Sudoku was late, fairly late last year, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Although I don't know, it was a pandemic game. I, I can't really Who even could tell. tell. So there have been, there's been stuff, right? It's not like there haven't been games. There have been games this year, but I, yes. there hasn't been a, everyone's going wild for this iOS game this year. So you have a a, a longer list than me. Actually, I think, yeah. oh, look at, yeah, your list is the same so as the Upgradians. <laughs> my list is the same as the Upgradians. Yeah. We are in sync on this. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if there's a game out there that everybody's talking about. I just care about the games that I like. And you know what I like the best? Alto's Odyssey The Lost City, which is uh, extra content for my favorite iOS game of all time. Uh, So yeah, I loved it. I played it all the way through. My only real criticism is that there needs to be some sort of uh, signifier that feels good when you clear the last thing. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't happen. It just says, oh, you don't have any more challenges left. Like, oh, okay. Uh, but it was great, and they, they have new artwork, and they have new music, and it's the full Alto's Odyssey game on top, uh, plus this is added on, and if you already played Alto's Odyssey, you can load your status, and you pick up all that stuff, and you just jump right in, and you don't have to replay the game from the start, which is nice. Uh, a lot of these plus Apple Arcade games don't do that, by the way, which I find frustrating. I would really like... If I started off on the regular game and then came to the plus game, a button that will load all of my stuff. From Most the of them don't game. need it, though. Well, I mean, like I have a uh, like. F- uh, sorry, I, really, I'm talking about Zach Gage here. Where like flip flop solitaire doesn't okay. remember all of my stats. Good Sudoku doesn't remember any of my stats, and I, I, I on the plus version, so I end up having both versions on there because um, I already bought the games, and now there's an, uh, the plus version. So anyway, uh, that's number one. Mini motorways. Uh, when I I was a little lukewarm on it when it initially shipped, but I, I think this. this is one of those things that also happened with Mini Metro. Actually, that um, the developer Dinosaur Polo Club, fun to say, mm-hmm. uh, they ship their game and then they and then they tweak it, and that that just is how they do it. So I revisited Mini Motorways in the last couple of months, and it's so much better than it used to be. They've really added a whole bunch of things on iOS that were just not there before. Um, the logic works better. There's, you know, roundabouts. And the, in fact, the turn-taking every week is a better interface now that makes it clear what your choices are between, like, do you want a highway and and 20 um, road tokens or do you want 40 road tokens and you get to choose which one. It's much clearer sort of what you're going to get. Um, so I think that game is great. And Good Sudoku, which then again came out with Good Sudoku Plus, um, I never understood this game. Uh, I know people played it. I didn't get it. The whole purpose of this game is to teach it to you and to teach you how to be better at it. And it completely worked on me to the point where I have played it a bunch. And if you give me a newspaper Sudoku page, I can solve it pretty fast because um, I'm not a gr- I'm not great, but I'm good. I'm good at Sudoku now, thanks to this app. So I love all three of those apps. Uh, I wanted to throw in another one, which is Jetpack Joyride Plus. Jetpack Joyride mm. is one of my favorite iOS games of all time, and Apple did the similar thing of asking Half Brick Studios to bring Jetpack Joyride back, give it a little bit of uh, polish here and there where needed, you know, make it fit all the devices. They added a few things, and they brought it back as a Plus game. Honestly, really, the iOS game of the year is an Apple Arcade subscription this year. Um, <laughs> like, I, uh, Apple is continuing the original strategy somewhat 
they're, they are working with developers and they're creating these really nice games or they're buying you know nice games for the platform mm-hmm. but i think this is a part of the strategy that makes a ton of sense yeah we talked about it here before but the idea that they added in those two other layers which is classic games that there's no financial motivation for them to be updated for the current platform they get folded into apple arcade they provide them a financial lifeline and then the converting them off of paid so that you basically essentially because you're an apple arcade subscriber you don't have to pay for the in-app purchases they're all unlocked and and so you i mean that's Right, that's that's what we're seeing here mm-hmm. with all of these. Is Jetpack Joyride is a classic game that's been um, given a maintenance update because of Apple Arcade money. Good Sudoku Plus is a pay game turned into a free game for Apple Arcade subscribers. Um, Altus Odyssey is they commissioned them ac- to do extra levels, uh, and then Mini Motorways is an original essentially. Mm-hmm. So like it's it's covering all of these bases, and that's the dimension that Apple Arcade didn't have when it launched. I would be very cool with uh, Altus Odyssey. All right. Going in here. Good. Which I would say technically makes this a two-time best iOS game winner, which is I a suppose. really weird thing to yeah. win. Uh, but they, they also won uh, They won with Alto's Adventure. They, so three-time a winner uh, of an upgrade, but not this wouldn't qualify them for Hall of Fame, nor would it really right. make any sense to... Uh, let's go with Mini Motorways and Good Sudoku Plus as the uh, as the runners up because Great. I like that it completely matched uh, with you <laughs> and the the upgradians. And somebody did mention Good Sudoku uh, Plus was a runner up last year. Well, Good Sudoku was. Oh, Good Sudoku was. Year. Yeah, because I because yeah. it came out last year. So yep. So now we move into favorite movie of the year. The Upgradians voted with 9% for No Time to Die, 15.9% for Shang-Chi, and 27.5% for Dune. Wow, that's a lot of Dune. Yeah, I'd like to go first because I saw less movies, if that's okay. Yep, sure. Um, the two movies that I am going to put in this category, I saw this week. <laughs> uh, because really, they're the only new movies I've seen this year. Uh, one is Encanto the new uh, new Disney movie. Really, really great movie with superb music, all written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who I think has maybe found the next thing that he does. Like, I know that he's working on other stuff, and, and I, I need to watch that the movie the, the about Rent, because I've, I've heard that's pretty good. Is it Tick, Tick, Boom, it's called? But yeah, I think so. Lin-Manuel Miranda writing all of the music for Disney movies is a really good idea because <laughs> the music in this movie, like, so the music in Moana, right? Moana's music, awesome. Lin-Manuel Miranda mm-hmm. played a hand in some of this. The music in Encanto, he wrote all of the original songs. They are amazing. And I oh, think wow. it's super smart to get someone who's really talented at writing music, like to, to write these kind of modern songs. Because right. as you say, it helps the movies be rewatchable by well, that, kids. That was always the trick with Disney yep. in its classic era. First, they had the classic uh, Ashman and Mencken. Um, and then, but then they started to bring in like, uh, songwriters to do pop songwriters like elton john with the lion king and so so they're like lin-manuel miranda he loves disney and uh they work well together and uh i haven't seen encanto yet it's on my list it's on my you're gonna love it man i haven't gotten to it yet it's a really cute movie and the animation's great and 
I'm not going to say too much about it, but what I like about this movie compared to a lot of other Disney movies is it's actually quite small in scope. Like, oh. it's not this like huge, sprawling, big adventure. It's like a really small scope movie. Uh, and I, I really liked it a lot. So my other one is Spider-Man No Way Home. That movie slaps. It's so yeah. good. Oh, my God. No spoilers. Yeah. No spoilers. I freaking love this movie. It's going to be a Mike, Mike of the Movies, probably. We're going to have to talk about Spider-Man yeah, No Way Home. Yeah, I think we might have to. I think we might yeah, have to. Yeah, it's good. I want to see it again, but I don't want to go back to a movie theater again. So I yeah. guess I'm going to have to wait. But I, I want to see it again. Um, but, yeah, I I loved it. Um. I have my I watched I watched a lot of movies this year and I um I logged my movies this year which hasn't happened before in Letterboxd. So I actually kept kept track of what movies I saw this year and what I thought of them. That was um that was a lot of fun. Hmm. So okay. here's my list of my favorite 7 movies that I saw that were new-ish right i'm not i'm not gonna say a lot of these were oscar nominees so they came from 2020 but i saw them in 2021 um and here they are um promising young woman with carrie mulligan probably my favorite movie of the year coda on apple tv plus i liked it a lot i thought it was really good that's the uh the uh girl who is the hearing child of a deaf family um who wants to be a musician spider-man no way home uh, a movie called Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, which is about two girls who have to take a bus to the city in order for one of them to get an abortion. Nomad Land, which, you know, won Best Picture, but it is really good. <laughs> I liked it too. <laughs> I liked it too. Yay. Now it's been mentioned on the Upgradies. Finally, they've made it. Uh, in and of itself, which is that movie by the magician that's the, basically the film version of his stage show. Uh, if you haven't seen it, don't look up anything about what happens in it. It's just an amazing kind of document of uh, some very clever, interesting stagecraft kind of things. And, uh, and a movie called First Cow, which is a very quiet, slow-paced movie set in the early 1800s in Oregon, and indeed, a cow is brought to the region where the people in Oregon are. Uh, and it's the first cow to be brought to that area. This is pre-Gold Rush, West Coast. Um, so not a, really an era that gets even shown that much. And it's I just I w- have been thinking about that movie the whole year. I saw it in January. I've been thinking about it the whole year. It's such a strange but kind of wonderful movie. Uh, and th- so those are my those are my faves. Uh, what do you think about Dune as the Upgradians vote? Uh, I like Dune. I did. I didn't put it on my list here. I like Shang Chi too, and I didn't put it on my list. But I think that's a really good movie too. I haven't seen No Time to Die. Um, but I like Dune. I first off, it's just half the movie. Um, but I was charmed by it. I would like to watch it again. At, at some point, I'm constantly surprised at how many people love it because I've always thought Dune to be a real acquired taste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when they came out with this movie, I was like, well, okay. But, and then people are like, oh, Dune, I love it. I'm like, really? Really? Okay, great. Like, I read like four Dune books and I, right? Like, I, it's a good movie. I liked it. Um, 
it's a it's a vibe. I mean, that, maybe that's kind of one of the things I like about it is it's kind of like the sound and the and the visuals, and you just kind of like it it surrounds you with sand. And uh, but it's also half a movie, unfortunately, which uh, I'd say uh, I get why, but it I think it's unfortunate. It just kind of ends, and that's just yeah. mm, all right. Stay tuned to part two for part two in three years. So, but I did like it. I do think Spider Man would have ranked higher. It was creeping up, but we really sure. didn't. The voting closed too late. soon yeah. for that movie. Um, yep, it matches on both of our lists. Yeah, should we do yeah, it? We could give it. We could give it the upgradey. I love it. So, do you want to pick a, a runner-up? Uh, let's pick Dune. Yep. And how about Encanto? Oh, that's nice. I love Encanto. That's a good movie, man. I think you'll get a kick out of it. Um, I will look forward to it. Good family movie. So, uh, congratulations to Spider-Man. Favorite TV show, The Upgradians voted of 11.4% for Foundation, which ranked way higher than I was expecting compared to Mm. all the other stuff that's come out this year. Loki with 14.6% and 21.7% for Ted Lasso. Wow, that's a lot of Ted Lasso. We have the right audience for it, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Here are my seven (laughs) favorite shows of 2021. For All Mankind, season two. Mm -hmm. It's really good. ah. The people who know, know. There's a TV critic I like, Alan Sepinwall, who keeps writing about it. He said it was his favorite show of the year. And he's like, why, you know, people just aren't talking about it. They just don't know about it. They haven't found it. It was on too early. I I think. Yeah. If it was later in the year, if For All Mankind had just wrapped up, it would be on more lists. Um, so For All Mankind for sure. Hacks on HBO Max, um, starring Gene Smart and oh, Hannah. Oh, what's her name? Uh, Einbinder. Uh, that is a great show. Um, it's funny. It's about a young woman comedy writer and a. 50-something woman, legendary, maybe 60, legendary comedian from an era where it was very hard for a woman to be in comedy. And she's now performing in Vegas and her agent or her manager and agent convince her, I guess the manager doesn't like it. The agent convinces her to have this hot comedy talent who's kind of down on her luck because she kind of got canceled for stupid stuff she did to come write for her. And the comedian is offended and the uh, the writer thinks it's beneath her. Um, and you're seeing sort of comedy from the perspective of two women at, uh, kind of like a beginning and ends of their careers. Um, it's brilliant and it's very funny, but it's also really interesting and dramatic. And uh, there's just, it's great. If anybody hasn't seen Hacks in the US, it's on HBO Max. It is spectacularly good. Um, Loki. I think is the, I hope that when Disney plus executives were looking at the output of their first year, they looked at Loki and they were like that one. Yeah. That one. Yeah. That I like WandaVision. That was the best one. Yeah. I like WandaVision. I like Hawkeye, but Loki was the one that's like, yeah, that, that we got it. We, we hit it that do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, I don't want them all to be the same, but like Loki was the one where was like that. We got it. We nailed it. Um, I love that show. I, as somebody who grew up watching Doctor Who, it is like, what if Doctor Who had an enormous uh, Disney Marvel budget? Because <laughs> it's kind of 
Dark, Doctor Who in a way. It's a weird, weird show, but I loved it. And I love the soundtrack. Um, the performances are really good. Loki uh, is great. If you haven't, if you've been skeptical about the Marvel Disney shows, seek out Loki sometime when you've got Disney Plus. It's really good. I loved Hulu's Only Murders in the Building, which is Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena Gomez. <laughs> or as my daughter refers to it, the show, oh, the show with Selena Gomez in it. It's like, yeah, also Steve Martin and Martin Short are in it for the olds. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's like a comedy murder mystery about podcasting. I can't watch it. I can't do it. I'm sure it's good. Adina's watching it right now and she loves it. I can't watch things about podcasting. I can't do it. I, I actually think the portrayal of podcasting, although unrealistic in some ways, is very realistic in other ways. That's and I part, think it's funny. maybe part of why I can't do it as uh, well. Like I just I just can't bring myself to do I, it. You know, the episode title comes up and it's in like a little overcast kind of uh, interface and it makes me laugh every time. It's so good. Um, Invincible on Amazon Prime video uh, animated series about uh, superheroes and a family and it's uh, not for kids, <laughs> but I loved it. I think it's uh, one of my favorite comic books, and uh, I think a great adaptation. Really, really well done. It's a Sin, which was from the BBC, but it's on HBO Max in America by Russell T. Davis, about uh, a group of friends in the early days of the AIDS epidemic. And if I describe it that way, and you think, oh, this is going to be one of those sad uh, dramas where everybody dies. It's not. It's actually joyful and wonderful and sad okay. all at once. And I I think it's a masterwork. I think it is just, it's worth your time. It's five episodes, I think. Um, so well done. And, uh, and last, I'll throw in uh, What We Do in the Shadows, which had a third season, I think, on FX on and on Hulu, and um, that is a just a funny show, a funny dumb show about vampires, and uh, I love it. No spoilers. I would just say watched we watched uh, what we do in the Shadow season three this week. Didn't like the ending. Yeah, I don't know what I, I don't know what they're doing there. I think <laughs> so. I think the wheels <laughs> fell off a little bit. I think two things yeah. might have happened. I think one, they're maybe not sure if they had a season four when they read when they wrote it. I also think they had maybe five writers had different ways they wanted to end the season. And over the span and of like three episodes, they did all of them. They did them all. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not uh, yeah. sure that that was the right way to go. I, I mostly watch that for the jokes and the characters and not yeah. for the plot. But yeah, at the end, there's sort of a lot of plot that happens. And you're like, you just, and honestly, my my whole reaction is like, you're just going to undo this all next year. If you come back, you're, you're going to literally undo everything. And that's what makes it even more weird to me. Because it's like if they do another one, they have five things to undo, and like, but love that show though, like the whole yeah. thing. For me, seasons one and two are better than season three, but I agree. season three also still really good. Yeah, uh, my uh, favorite shows of the year, Ted Lasso. It was an easy one for me to be in there. Oh, I've got a I've got a real time correction by the way, okay. because this is what I do. I always joke about how I just conflate all British television to the BBC. Mm-hmm. It's a sense from Channel Four. Mm-hmm. Or as I like to think of it, BBC Four, <laughs> but it's not. It's Channel Four. It's a commercial broadcaster in the UK. It's a great show, though. Okay, please resume. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, easy pick for me. The Morning Show, great second season. Way better than season one. If you 
Watch season one, didn't like how it ended. Watch season two, it's way better in okay. every way. Okay, I guess I'll have to do that because I watched season one and I thought it was okay, but I didn't like how it ended and I have not been motivated to watch it, even though I've been planning on it. So this will be a spur to put it more on the watch list and we'll get back to it. If Thank I can you. give two more recommendations for it. One, I think they learned what the show is and they made it that. Good. Um, and there is an episode of this season, which is maybe the best episode of TV I've seen this year. The rest of the season isn't as good as this, which is why it's not my favorite show of the year, but it's one of my favorite shows of the year. For All Mankind, it's just superb. I think it's probably Apple's best show. Not my favorite, but their best, right? Like I just think it is... Every episode's excellent. Loki is my favorite Disney uh, and Marvel project that they've done. But my, I think my personal favorite television show this year is Dexter New Blood. So... Right. If you're a fan of Dexter, you have to be a fan of Dexter to watch the show. If you don't, there's no point. But it is the only television show this year where I have been, like all of these other shows, I'm like, oh, great, it's Ted Lasso Day. Or, oh, great, it's For Mankind Day. But with Dexter, I'm like, I cannot wait for Monday. Huh. Because, I mean, it's a thriller, right? So it has that to it. There is a cliffhanger at the end of every episode of the show, mm. right? So, like, you are motivated to want more of it. But it's just, like, a really smart way that they have brought the character back for, I believe, it's just going to be this one season as a way to put a better bow on the series than right, what they Right, because everybody hated did. how it ended. Yeah. yeah. And this is, they've done a bunch of really smart stuff and they have a ton of new characters and they've integrated some of the old previous stories into it really well and old characters into it really well. It is excellent. If you watched Dexter and liked it, if you watched Dexter and hated how Dexter ended, do yourself a favor and watch Dexter New Blood. So that's my recommendation. I'm not going to try and petition it as the winner. I, no. you know, it would be my what? personal runner up, but. So let's let's do. Um, here's my suggestion: winner for all mankind, runners up, Ted Lasso, and Loki. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. So for all mankind, we'll win. Kind of integrating all through all of our lists and the Upgradians lists. Yeah, and then Ted Lasso and Loki. Like, here's the thing: Ted Lasso season two was still really great. It was never going to be no. like Ted Lasso one. And I, I don't know. know how it could be because it's impossible. That it was that first season was act one where everybody gets to know each other and everything. And like, you can't yeah. really te season two is like, okay, now we need to tell the rest of the story here. Well, but also and that, it's yeah. season one, the surprise of what the show yes, is, is. It's true. Is it was magic. It was lockdown. Yeah. It was magic. It was a shot of happiness. It was so many things that can't, can't be replicated, but I do think Ted Lasso season two is very good. Oh, just, it's excellent. It's just not, it ever nothing is ever going to be season one of Ted Lasso, honestly. Like it's it's kind of perfect in that way. And, and I and, think for yeah. all mankind, for all mankind, season two was better than for all mankind season one, in my opinion. And so that's why I, I would agree. want to push for that because I agree they improved that show, even yeah. though it already started on an excellent footing. Mm -hmm. The problem yeah. with Ted Lasso is there was no improving on it. It the yeah. se first season was perfect. You yep. can't improve on that. But they, they lived up to it about as good as possible. Favorite book category. Yay, the Upgradians voted category. with 7% for Leviathan Falls by James S.A. Corey. 7% mm -hmm. for The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green. And 17.6% to Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. I've read two of those. Okay. 
Uh, I'm going to tell you seven things that I really enjoyed in books this mm-hmm. year. I'm okay. just doing a lot of sevens. This is kind of organic. I didn't choose a bunch of sevens, but that's how it ended up. So I guess I, I a can A lot hold of sevens seven. for the eighth upgradies. A lot of a lot of thinking of holding seven things I love in my in my mind. So this I looked uh, on on Goodreads because I do log the books I read. Um, it's not I I only started doing that with movies this year, but I have been doing that with um with books for a while now. So you can check out my Goodreads, I guess, if you want to see all the books that I read this year with their... Uh, check out my Goodreads. Smash the bell button. Smash the <laughs> follow me on Goodreads button. Um, here, I, and I read, uh, I, I think I read basically a novel a week this year. I think, it, 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 not at that pace because vacations you read more and other times I read less, but I think I'm going to finish the year at about 52 books. That is obscene to me. In my yeah. brain... Right, mm-hmm. like, look, I didn't read any books this year. I, I know somebody surprise. who who read 150, so you know, <sighs> but I, not me. Uh, so these are the Bunch seven that I wanted to mention. Okay, uh, Piranesi uh, is by the writer of um, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Neural, which was like a thousand page book that came out a decade ago. This is a short book. Uh, it was my favorite book of the year. I love it. It is weird but delightful, and it gets more. It starts out real weird, and then gets less weird as it goes in a good way, where you start to kind of understand what you're seeing. But I think it's beautiful. It is about a person who lives in a giant building uh, full of statues, classical statues, and the sea is coming in, and there are birds, and they think that it's the entire world, and they're, but it's it's not. So it's it's amazing. It's so strange, but I loved it. Um, Black Sun by Rebecca Rowanhorse is a sort of Mesoamerican fantasy novel about like a, I don't, I mean, there's like, there's the, the Black Sun cult that's trying to overthrow the people who are the rulers. And there's a kid who's supposedly the chosen one and they do terrible things to him, but he's, he's brought to the, um, he's brought to the city by a pirate and there's a whole like human sacrifice that's going to happen. And it's, it's, it's great. I loved it. That's the first book in a trilogy. I can't wait for the second book to come out. I thought it was great. Uh, Becky Chambers wrote a book called The Galaxy and the Ground Within, which if I describe it to you, it will sound like the most boring book ever because the plot is basically there's a traffic delay. And so a bunch of aliens of different kinds are stuck on a planet for a while. That's the book. Okay. It's great. It's amazing. Uh, what do they do while they're stuck on a planet? I don't know. You know, they interact. They talk with each other. It's great. I loved it. Um, the Hidden Palace by my friend Helene Wecker is the sequel to her book, The Golem and the Genie. Both of those books are great if you have not read them. It, uh, they're set in New York in the late 19th and early 20th centuries when there were lots of immigrants pouring into New York City, including in this world. Uh, part of the Jewish diaspora is a golem a magical creature and part of the Syrian diaspora is a genie and they meet. And, uh, then there are two books about that. Uh, uh, I read a, an older book this year, but it took up a lot of time. It was Gnomon, Gnomon by Nick Harkaway. Um, I gave five stars, so I have to mention it. Uh, it was, it's like a thousand page book. It's like five books in one. I felt like I accomplished something by reading it and I truly loved it. And don't, no, don't just don't read it. Nobody should read it. Um, um, that's my warning to you because almost nobody will like it, but I loved it. Um, 
uh, none. I, I just, it's one of those things where I have to wave people off. They're like, oh, that sounds intriguing. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand how weird and complicated this book is. Uh, but if you do take up the challenge, you may be rewarded or you may bail within the first like 40 pages of this book. But I loved it. Um, Michael Lewis's nonfiction book, The Premonition, a pandemic story. Just really well done. Loved it. Um, not a not fiction, but uh, nonfiction. It was good. And then I discovered a series that I read the entire series this year, the Divine Cities trilogy um, by Robert Jackson Bennett. It's three books. Uh, it's a uh, kind of urbanish fantasy series. And um, I read them all. I devoured them all. And I love that when I read a book. And it's the first book in a series, and I can't put it down because it means there's two more books that I can't put down. And all three of them are great. In fact, arguably the series gets better as it goes along, but the first one alone is, is City of Stairs is worth uh, reading. So those are my seven reading picks for this year. What did you read this year, Mike? I think I read something, but I don't remember what it was. It okay. wasn't anything right. I enjoyed. Fair. Um. Okay, so how do we do this? <laughs> You have to pick I, the I, upgrade of award winner, same as you do every year. Okay, Piranesi is the winner. That was my favorite book of the okay. year. I am going to put the galaxy and the ground within as a runner-up, and we'll put let's put Leviathan Falls, which I also really enjoyed and was an upgrading pick as a runner-up. Great. That's the last book in the Expanse series. It was a good ending to a oh, very good right, nine-book okay. series. Yes. So the galaxy and the ground within and Leviathan Falls. Yeah. Or are the uh, runners-up in this category? Okay. Yep. The Expanse is the TV show, right? Yes. Okay. I didn't know it was a book series. Or was it? Yeah, it's ba- it's it's always... Yeah, it's based on that series. Okay. Um, and uh, the series is finishing with book six, but there's also book seven, eight, nine. I don't know what they're doing about that, but um, this is book nine. So this is the end of that story. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by ZocDoc. When you need a doctor... You need a doctor now. You don't want one in a few days or in a few weeks, definitely not in a few months. If you need to see an MD ASAP, you need ZocDoc. Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or video chat so you never have to wait on hold with a receptionist again. I know that this fits my personal preferences so much. When I want to see a doctor, I want to see a doctor. I don't want to have to wait because sometimes, who knows, right? You never know. It's it's difficult, especially these times, right? You're just a bit, I'm always a bit on edge with medical stuff. I want to be seen when I want to be seen. Things can change. You might not have the symptoms anymore. You just want to get that treatment. I also really love the ability to be able to speak to somebody over video chat because I don't always want to have to go somewhere, especially if it's something where I'm just like, hey, what do you think about this? So having those options is so, so good. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com slash UpgradeFM and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy, and now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash UpgradeFM. You download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's ZocDoc.com slash UpgradeFM. Our thanks to ZocDoc for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, we're now going to move into some hardware 
uh, and, yeah. and technology focused categories. First is favorite Apple product. The Upgradians voted with 12.2% for the iPad mini, 12.7% for the MacBook Pro 16 inch, and 27.6% for the MacBook Pro 14 inch. Got that MacBook Pro split in the vote there. It would have been a we would have been able to get another one in this category if I would have put them <laughs> together. But to me, they are incredibly different products. So uh, I thought I would put them in there separately, and that's how it ended up being. Uh, Jason, what is your favorite Apple product of the year? Well, I hate to diverge from the upgradians here, but in my mind, the Apple product of the year is the 24-inch M1 iMac. When I saw this in your list, I was like, oh, that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't have thought that that was where you were going to go with this, but I actually kind of love that you did. Yeah, I just... I think the iMac, I love iMacs. I think they're important. I know that laptops get more consideration. I know that the MacBook Pro is a very important product because they made, you know, some amazing, good redesigned decisions in terms of bringing back some ports, in terms of that screen, which is amazing. And of course, in being the place where they've unveiled their pro level processors for Apple Silicon. Absolutely. All those, all those things are true. That said, I think the iMac getting a complete redesign for the first time in almost a decade and bringing in color and bringing that M1 power to the desktop and some of the interesting design decisions in terms of the magnet and the Ethernet on the cable and all of those sort of things. I just... And the fact that, again, you can buy an orange or blue or whatever iMac... Uh, this is favorite Apple product. Is it is it as powerful as the MacBook Pro? Of course not. It does it have as good a screen as the MacBook Pro. Of course it doesn't. And yet, it is my favorite. I love that they updated the iMac. I love that they did it the way they did it. I think they did a great job. I think it's a beautiful product. And um, and so that's that's my choice. That's that's my that's my number one. I mean, I love the machine. I bought one. So I love it so much. I bought one, and I use it every day. Yeah. It's what I use to record and edit my shows on. Uh, like you, I think it was the perfect machine for what it is made for, and then some. Right? Like it is the perfect machine yep. for what it's made for. Oh, and also, by the way, it's really powerful because it has an M1 chip in it, um, and they made it in colors. And I have a yellow one. It's like so good. I, I really do love that machine. Uh, I went with. I mean, I echo you here, right? Like, I echo you. But I, for me personally, I put in the 14-inch MacBook Pro. Uh, it's just an incredible computer. Like, it it's is. incredibly powerful. Looks fantastic. Screen is amazing. They reverted a bunch of weird decisions. You know, they, they got rid of the touch bar. They kept Touch ID. They brought some ports back. Brought back MagSafe. Yep. Just a great machine all around. Um, it looks great. I love the look of it, just in general. The hardware design of it is is great. Um, I wished it was a little lighter. I wished it was a little thinner, but not so much that it would change my opinion about this machine. Uh, and I also love the iPad mini. I think the new iPad mini is the best iPad for content consumption that Apple has ever made. Um, I think yes. that it is perfectly sized. It looks fantastic. It's got all of the right features that you would want out of an iPad uh, for watching video, reading stuff, um, light communication, all that kind of stuff. So uh, these two machines, the the MacBook Pro and the iPad Mini, they've they've been really great for me this year. Yep. So what, what are we going to do? 
So, I mean, so obviously I and the Upgradians voted the same. It's true. But I also really love yours. You can have it. I, yeah. I mean, I can be outvoted here, unless you're willing to flip over to my side here. But um, it's a great, it's a great choice. The, I mean, the 14 inch MacBook Pro is a a great choice. It is a um, milestone in the comeback of the Mac after kind of five years in the doldrums. I would, I would really love to give it to the M1 iMac, but honestly, I feel like it would be doing a disservice to the the MacBook Pro, All which right. I okay. think actually des- really deserves to win this. Uh, All right, so let's make it the winner, and we'll let's make the 24-inch iMac and the iPad Mini the runners up. Yeah, I love because that. I agree with you about the iPad Mini; it's great. The, the that man when I looked at this list, uh, someone mentioned to me that I forgot to put the uh, Apple Remote on this list, which sure I did forget to put that on this list. I I've got it app- covered in another category yet to come, but I don't think it was going to win this list. <laughs> no, <laughs> like it's fantastic, right? Uh, but just in general, when I was putting this like whole selection together, it has been a super good year for Apple products. In yes. a year that had, I think, a very good iPhone that it didn't even rank in that top three it makes didn't sense. Didn't even mention them. Yeah, no, didn't mention. Didn't need to. Because no. everything else has been so excellent as well. It's yeah. made it even harder for the general good products to even come near to them. So, be great year. Now, we're going to do the best non-Apple product of the year. The Upgradians voted with 3.1% for the Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3, which I was, like, super happy to see. I agree. Great product, but I was not expecting it to see in this list. Uh, the Google Pixel 6 Pro at 3.5%, and the Nintendo Switch OLED at 9.7%. I... um. I didn't put in, I mean, I, I guess I could put the Oculus Quest 2, but it really did come out last year, and I got it last year at the end of the year, and I've enjoyed it, but I'm not going to put it on the list. The, the product I'm going to put on this list in terms of hardware, um, this is the year that I switched from Kindle to Kobo. I bought a Kobo Libra. They came out with the Kobo Libra 2. I'm using that now. Um, it is, it for my money, the best balance of features in an e-reader and price in an e-reader it's got physical page turn buttons but is way cheaper than um amazon's high-end kindle which is the only one that's got physical page turn buttons the ergonomics are good the screen is great it's waterproof and kobo is uh not amazon which i kind of like not being not using that product uh from amazon and using an alternative so uh kobo libra 2 is my nominee in this category uh, mine is the Nintendo Switch OLED. Yeah. It's really nice. I wasn't going to buy one. I bought one for Adina and then bought one for myself because it's, <laughs> it is so much better than the original Switch. Um, it, it makes you want to play games more in handheld. Mm. It looks so good. It really does look so good. Okay. Well, I mean, you and the Upgradians agree, and I usually defer to you and the Upgradians in this category. Um uh, so let's make that the Nintendo Switch OLED the winner. Um, I would like my Kobo yeah, to course. be a runner-up. And then yep. what? What do you think? What you you can pick a runner-up. What you didn't? You and I only mentioned one product each. So what else could we throw in there? I, I mean, I do think that the Google Pixel Six Pro was a, seemed to be a pretty good device that a lot of people were really happy about. It's like if we were going to go back to the upgradians, I would be happy to go with that. Uh, okay. So congratulations, Nintendo. <laughs> uh, now we mentioned earlier about categories that maybe people wouldn't want to win awards in and this is 
The first of those, this is for the worst gadget or most disappointing technology of the year. Upgradians voted thusly. The Apple Watch Series 7 with 3.4%. I was really surprised about this. I mean, I was someone who said, like, I really wanted a new design for the Apple Watch and was disappointed by that. But this Apple Watch is a very good Apple Watch. Like, last year's Apple Watch, I could understand in this category. This year's Apple Watch, I don't know so much. I think the screen changes yeah. are really good. Um, 8.3% is Meta slash Facebook. So here's the thing with this. People put all kinds of Facebook things in every year. I just group them all together it's because I don't really know how to... Some people just say Facebook, everything Facebook does. Some people didn't like the name change. Uh, I don't, I'm not really sure why people are disappointed. Like, surely you know Facebook, right? You know what they're going to be. Like a... Who's disappointed? <laughs> you know, it's like, and anyway, eight point three percent for Meta and Facebook, and eight point eight percent for NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> Let your hate flow through you. Yeah, upgradians. I gotta say, upgradians. Next year, I want a little bit more from you in this category. Mm. Okay, I want to. I want to get some. Some. I don't know. I feel like there could be more uh, originality in this. Um, yeah. I got some originality for you, Mike. I'm excited for it. I saw this in there, and I'm like, I know it's going to be a story. Mm-hmm. My nominee for worst gadget is the Breville Jewel sous vide machine. The wire cutter choice, although I will point out, since retracted, uh, for best sous vide machine. I have a sous vide from um, Anova. Anova, that's what I have too. And it's good, but it's an early model, and it's kind of on its last legs. Okay. It's making weird noises. I'm sure it's going to fail pretty soon. So I've been looking at replacing it. Um, but I've also, that was, I took it in a classic Jason move, and I know we've talked about this before. I took a flyer on it um, and was like, and then you use it for a while, and then you're like, well, now I have opinions about this product category. When the first time you buy something, you're like, it's the thing where you end up having to buy two, because you buy one and you kind of cheap out and you get it, and then you have opinions, and then you're like, oh, now I like this. I have to buy the expensive one. Um, so I'm, I'm in the market for a new sous vide cooker um i found them not only do i cook with them i thaw stuff with them it's great um and i'm a big believer if you don't have an immersion uh cooker um you don't need to buy fancy materials you can use like a ziploc bag or a or a buy some silicone zip top bags and that are reusable and you don't have to like have a one of those vacuum sealers if you don't want to but it, mm -hmm. it is great for cooking stuff it, it cooks meat perfectly and it thaws stuff it's great so I look at the wire cutter choices and they're like, well, there is the Anova model and there are a couple of them. There's a, a small one and a big one and, and all that. And then there's Breville and like Breville, I love Breville stuff. I have a, I have a Breville, uh, T-Robot. <laughs> I have our, our kettle, our electric kettle is also a Breville. Um, I, I love their stuff. It's really good. They make really good stuff. And, uh, when my T-Robot broke, um, they took it in. <laughs> And they they either fixed it or just sent me a new one. But like their service is great. So I thought, all right, I'm going to take a flyer on this. The Breville Jewel. Here's the thing about the Breville Jewel. And I think that it is painting a picture about all the ways that technology is bad today. It has no controls. It has no controls. If you would like to turn it on if you would like to set the temperature, mm. 
you know what you got to do? You got to use an app. You got to pair to it with Bluetooth. You got to use their app. So yeah, you're in the kitchen. You got, you just put the chicken in a bag and you're putting it in the thing and you need to set the temperature to sous vide this thing. And you get the chickeny hands and you're like, uh, oh, okay. Well now I need to wash my hands and dry them off and then unlock my iPhone and then adjust it. And then, you know, in order to put in the right temperature and then set it and all that. You know what the Anova that I have has on it? It's got a wheel. It's got a wheel you spin to set the temperature right and a button you press to say go. That's Mm -hmm. it. And a little screen that tells you what the temperature is and what the target temperature is. And I could could extend this to cars that overtouch screen. There are lots of other devices that do this. People, controlling it via app is a nice bonus, but if the only way you can control a product is through an app, you failed. Your hardware is a failure. You can't... I know we all have smartphones, so you can abandon all attempts to put any controls anywhere except in a smartphone app. I know you can do it, but you shouldn't. Don't do it. Because Breville, a company that I really like, made a very well-reviewed sous vide cooker that is ergonomically got a lot going for it in terms of its size and the way it attaches, and it looks nice. All of these things are fine. And then they decided what we won't do is put any buttons on it. It's like it's like that iPod shuffle, basically. Yeah. No controls. Who needs physical controls? Hey, Breville. Cook well, the- <laughs> one the reason I the reason I took a flyer on it is I thought, well, at least I could do. It, it has Alexa integration, and I have an Echo in my kitchen. So if what I can say is, hey, lady, set the sous vide cooker to 145 degrees, but of course it uses a skill, and this falls into that whole problem that, that Alexa skills have where uh, if you get beyond what Amazon provides, it gets really weird really fast so you have to phrase it a certain way and i realized that while i might eventually re re internalize this very specific way of phrasing it yeah i i talked to lauren about it and she's like i'm not ever gonna say that because it would be like hey uh alexa tell breville to blah 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 blah. like i don't tell breville jewel to set the temperature to it's like you're writing code Mm-hmm. in yeah. with your voice you're doing ifttt but audibly yeah and and so again if it was if it was hey lady set the sous vide to 120 degrees and turn it on yeah. it would be maybe arguably usable i would say still not but closer but even that is a disaster because of the way amazon handles uh skills because the skills are uh, some skills are good most of them are are jokes so in the end, uh, this went back to Amazon where I bought it and I got my money back because as nice as that hardware was, they abandoned all user interface for, for their crappy app. Also, the app, crappy. The pairing experience of the Breville app, crappy. So they, a company that has taken prides, pride in making good hardware ends up making a, a product with a terrible experience mm. because they don't care about the software, even though the software is the entire experience. So that's my story. My worst gadget experience of the entire year was the stupid Breville Jewel, which is bad and nobody should buy one until they put a button and a dial on it so you can change the temperature by touching it. Imagine. Yeah, so like I have an Anova and 
something happened and it was struggling to pair with the app, like after getting a new phone. I don't know why, uh-huh. but I just stopped caring about it and just used uh, the, the controls. So my Anova sous vide is not the. It's it's old enough that it doesn't do Wi Fi. It only does Bluetooth. Yeah. But I connected it, and I put it in, and I connected it via Bluetooth. And at some point, it stopped working. And that was fine, because I didn't care, because I never used the Bluetooth. I don't care. I get that if it's on Wi-Fi, if you're like leaving it unattended, mm-hmm. and you need to check on it, or you want to time it up. I like There are reasons. Mm. I don't do any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going for AppleCare Plus as my most... <laughs> the, my biggest disappointment in techno- personal disappointment in technology this year... I have a really, really scratched up iPhone and I was like, well, this iPhone's got a bunch of cracks in it or whatever, they look like cracks to me. Uh, I took it to the Apple store and they wouldn't replace it. Um, They told me that they don't make replacements. Uh, They only make replacements for cracks and these technically are scratches, uh, which isn't the same thing. And that that's the end of that, and uh, I'm not going. They and they weren't going to replace my screen, even though I have Apple Care Plus, and I would happily pay the um, the little fee that you have to pay for a screen replacement. I was told by the uh, genius in the Apple Store that they would not do my replacement for me. Um, they told me that it was just cosmetic. Apple Care doesn't cover cosmetic uh, damage, even though uh, I have found a thing which kind of says that it does. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, they told me I should have read the terms and conditions and told me that if I now broke the screen, they would know that because uh, they told me not to. So I have had a really, really scratched up screen for a few months. Um, it, I am planning to deal with this somehow, some way. I don't know how, but I just couldn't believe it. The amount of money that I have paid for Apple Care over the years, I've never done any kind of replacement. And this is my first one. Um, and I was just really frustrated by the whole experience. And so for me, that, it's just such a disappointment, like to the point that I don't think I'm going to get Apple Care on my iPhones anymore because I feel like I'm better just saving the money. And yeah. if I break my iPhone, buy a new iPhone. Mm-hmm. Or get it, or just get it repaired. Or just pay for it for it the cost fixed. of what it would be for yeah. AppleCare. So it was a very, very frustrating, very, very disappointing experience for me. Yeah, I don't know how to award this one. Um, what what are you thinking we should do here for what is the worst or most disappointing technology well, of the year? Well, I I like mine because it is a gadget. Yeah. I'm and good, it is I'm the worst. We can go with the Breville Jewel as yep. our as the worst gadget. Take that, Breville. Breville and wire cutter, I guess. And we'll yeah, go and with... why? Well, yeah. I, I. It's funny. I, I. The guy. The guy is very nice, but there's a guy who writes for Wirecutter who wrote who is the co byline on that, and also wrote the iPad cases story that basically says it's fine to put your iPad in a big, uh, thick case and use a kickstand. And I, I, you know, I basically said on Twitter. No, that's terrible. And his response was very polite. He's a very nice fellow. But then I find that his byline's on this story too. And I'm like, I don't even know what to tell you. You're a very nice guy, but also also a monster. <laughs> no, I don't know I what to say. I think you have found the one human on the planet that has the exact opposite taste. It's my nemesis. Yeah. Yeah. It's my nemesis, I guess. To be fair, the the way the wire cutter pick reads for the Breville is um, the reason it's not our number one pick is because it requires an app. But they like the app. I, uh, but they do like the app. They say the app is nice. It's not nice. The um, bre- maybe by the standards of terrible 
apps it's <laughs> that you yeah. use when you're testing products it's sure. not that bad but yeah i mean i can imagine wire cutter editors see the worst apps right yeah, i would like, imagine so yeah. but i just i i can't i my hope is that breville doesn't look at that and say oh look they picked us my hope is that breville looks at that and says wow we would have been the wire cutter pick if we put a temperature control on the top of our mm-hmm. sous vide cooker like every other sous vide cooker um but we'll see so yes let's make that the worst gadget and then i'm fine with apple care plus being a runner-up and let's make nfts a runner-up yeah. let's do why that not? why not let's celebrate in a way the nft 2021 in a nutshell and we go back to good with the most life-changing hardware of the year. The Upgradians voted with 4.5% for the M1 iPad Pro, which I was just surprised about, I think. I, I, I wasn't expecting to see that in there. My expectation is a bunch of people bought an iPad Pro, didn't have one before. And once you get your first iPad Pro, yeah, it will change yeah. you because it's a super great product. 6.2% <laughs> for the Apple Watch. Clearly not the same people who found it the most disappointing technology of the year. And 7.6% for the 14-inch MacBook Pro. Which I get that. I totally get that. I'll say, for every reason that I spoke about earlier, the 14-inch MacBook Pro is my uh, pick here. Like, in a year where I have come back to the Mac in a quite significant way, this machine is just pushing it further and further, where I love using this computer so much, I want it to be my main computer all the time because it's so great to use. You know, like I always come back to your incredible line from your review. It's a MacBook. It's a Mac Pro in my backpack, and mm-hmm. I just think it's incredible. I love the power of this thing. So let me tell you what I bought this year, Mike. Mm-hmm. I I got a um, I bought a new receiver for my uh, home theater. I um, cut the cord. And replaced cable with fiber uh, and replaced my TV service with an over-the-top streaming service. I made all of all sorts of... I, I pulled the Logitech infrared remote thing out of my living room. I overhauled my entire TV viewing experience in my living room this year. Mm-hmm. All because of the Apple TV remote. <laughs> <laughs> all because of the Apple TV remote. Because... The I got that Apple TV remote and it has that power button on it and it has this whole thing about like I'm going to turn on your TV and the TV is going to turn on the right inputs and it's all going to work. And you know what? It almost did, but I had to replace some hardware and make some changes. But now we're at the end of the year and the, has my life changed? It has because we no longer have five remotes. We have a remote to control all our TV entertainment. And it's the Apple TV remote because Apple TV now has our television on it. We don't have TiVo anymore. And it, I've got a receiver that does, uh, does all of the ARC and CEC stuff so that when I, turn, when I press the button, it turns on the Apple TV, it turns on the television, it turns on the receiver. Everything just works. When I press the button to turn it off, everything turns off. It is amazing. And I required some changes and I, ne- I need to spend some money. But I just want to point out, all was prompted by that that new Apple TV remote that is not the Siri remote. And uh, I don't know what's more life-changing than that. I love that remote. It's so good. I would be very happy to give it the win. Uh, MacBook Pro already won one. That's why I, I think I, it. I love what it says about the our choice for most life-changing hardware being the new Apple TV remote, too. Also, it's like, yeah, take that old Apple TV remote. Well, it's super good. I, I I think I said this somewhere recently. My favorite thing about this remote is I never have to think about the remote anymore. 
I spent a lot of time thinking about my remote control, right? Like when I had the old uh, Apple TV remote, like where is it? How am I holding it? Am I touching the right place on this thing? Like all that kind of stuff. And with this Apple TV remote, I just get to use it like a remote and it's great. And so works really good for me. Uh, it's I'm very, very, very happy with it as a product. As when it comes to a second runner up, I don't really have one and i don't like the the to me like apple watch and ipad pro i don't know about those ones i mean i get that people are, are feeling it but it doesn't I, i'm gonna make a suggestion which is um the imac because i know you did a lot of stuff in well, your life because of that imac i will say that but i actually want to make a, a i want to rescind something here and just say I can't believe I kind of did this. The Apple Watch has made one of the biggest changes to my life in the last 12 months, which is around health and fitness. Let's do that then, because I I constantly um, am changing my behavior based on the Apple Watch and integrating it into my life. And as I mentioned earlier, being able to go for a run on, I I often am running on Wednesdays uh, when Connected is on, and I am literally just running with Apple Watch and AirPods, listening to the live stream via broadcasts over cellular, and I have those those moments of like, I cannot believe this is actually working, and it does. It's. I great. would like so, to lodge. Let's a do that. Side complaint though. Yes. Which is about the way that Apple handles when you move across time zones when it comes to the activity app. Ah, does I it lost... move your 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 ring day no, things? No, that's the problem. It doesn't. Ah. doesn't move it. So like, I lost a really long move day streak because I was only awake, like only awake for a few hours because of a flight that came in. Right. And it was really frustrating to me. And I think that they should do a better job of recalculating it. Yeah. Um, you know, like one of the things I loved, Pedometer Plus Plus by underscore David Smith, recalculated, right? Based upon That's the actual nice. time zone of where I was. Mm-hmm. And Apple did, doesn't do that. And I find that really, really frustrating. You know, like I'm flying from the West Coast of America to home. I just don't have enough time in the day to, to, to actually get the rings closed anymore. And if they did the recalculation, I would have done it because it was already like had put the next day in the UK and I'm still moving around inside of the airport. And I, I just find that stuff really frustrating. I mean, and as Beeks is saying in the chat, I will also just tack this one on. The fact that Apple doesn't allow any kind of rest days is bananas. Like still that they don't incorporate yeah. any kind of rest days into streaks is really, yep. really weird up until this mm-hmm. point that this, that's still the case. It actually honestly feels unhealthy for them to, Right. Insist that you must be exercising every single day. Um, I find I, it that actually doesn't feel like the right thing to do. I I agree. Actually, that is. Um, I'll I'll say that not just skipping, but target. Like if it is, in fact, a lot of the guidelines are talk about exercising three or four times a week. Mm-hmm. So if you exercise three or four times a week, you should be given credit as exercising that week. Mm-hmm. Um, but but a lot of Apple's approach is basically like got to crush it every day. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's you like oh, you got COVID. Doesn't matter. Keep working. Crush out, it every day. Right? Like you know, like what do you want from me? You're taking a flight. Jeez. You're you have a sick day. You're taking a flight. Whatever. Like no, crush it. Doesn't matter. Run up day. and down on the plane. Come on. What's wrong with you? Yeah, that's right. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform to build your online presence and run your business. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace has you covered. They combine cutting-edge design with world-class engineering to make it easier than ever to establish your home online and make your ideas a reality. 
With Squarespace, you get everything you need to make a wonderful website. They give you, uh, to, your starting point is one of their professionally designed templates. You choose what you want, you drag and drop the tools, you can customize the look, the feel, the settings, the products you have on sale, and more with just a few clicks. They really do have everything you want to create that beautiful modern website. All of their sites are optimized for mobile, so that's going to look fantastic no matter what device is being used to visit your content. You get free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, dependable resources, 24-7 customer support. They have SEO and email marketing tools, domain name registration, and there's nothing to patch, nothing to install, nothing to upgrade. It's all built right in. With Squarespace, you can announce an upcoming event that you're working on. Maybe you've got something you're doing digitally and you want to get some uh, new customers to come and see it. Promote your business. You can publish your next blog post. You can even take your big idea, turn it into that website. This is something I like, especially as we're moving into a new year. You know, Maybe you've got that project that you want to kickstart in uh, January. One of the great ways to do that is to sit and build the website for it. I always find that to be like a really important first step. And for me, that is always by going to Squarespace. So go to Squarespace space.com slash upgrade and you can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required and when you're ready to launch use the offer code upgrade and you'll save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain that is squarespace.com slash upgrade and when you decide to sign up use the offer code upgrade and you will get 10 percent off your first purchase and show your support for the show our thanks to squarespace for the continued support of upgrade and relay fm all right so our favorite tech story of the year the Upgradians, Ooh. they're just never going to quit it. 9.2% for the MacBook Pro, just <laughs> in general. Then another 9.2% for the M1 Pro and M1 Max chips. Wow. And then 10.8% for App Store regulation. Hmm. I would like to nominate a story. This was my favorite tech story of the year. Is it? It's sort of a tech story. It's close enough anyway, because I think it says something also about the value of objects and NFTs and things like that. Yeah. It is a uh, sort of an art collective called Mischief. And they bought a an Andy Warhol print from 1954 called Fairies. And then what they did is they built a uh, machine to make... It's a sketch. They built a machine to sketch on paper with identical strokes as as the Warhol. And um then they they made and and they like weathered the paper and they they said basically their goal was to make it so you couldn't tell a difference between the real one which they owned and the fakes. So they they made 999 of them and mixed in the real one um destroyed they say all evidence that would indicate which one was the real one and um and then sold them all for $250 each so um they if they bought it for about $20,000, they then sold them for perhaps $250,000. So they made an enormous profit. But what I also love about this is just the idea that they've essentially created, by eliminating the originality of it and making a, a bunch of identical copies and mixing in the, the real one, a whole bunch of people for 
$250 could buy a one in a thousand chance that there is, is the original, but no one will ever know. So it's almost like they own the original or part of the original, but nobody ever knows. And I just, I, this was my favorite tech story of the year because it, it's so interacts with the idea of what originals are and what their value of art is and everything that's come up with the whole NFT story this year. Um, the idea that they transformed this art by buying it, copying it, and then losing it essentially so that you can't tell the difference between the real and the, the quote unquote fakes. They're all fakes, even the real one, but they're also all real, even the fake ones. So anyway, that's, that's, uh, that's my favorite tech story of the year. I hadn't heard of this uh, until I saw it in our notes. I think that's very clever. I know they do loads of wild stuff, and this is just another one of those wild things. Yep. Um, I've gone in two directions. I've gone with like what you're doing. The basically the two ways you can go with this. You can either choose a specific story or an overall story, and I leave mm-hmm. it blank and just let people choose what they want. My favorite article that I read this year was by Lauren Good and uh, at Wired. Where Lauren wrote just an incredible, heartbreaking, fascinating article about memories in photos that really helped crystallize something that I was feeling a lot and just did it in a better way than I ever could have and why this technology whilst it can be great can also be very upsetting and why I have hoped that Apple would do more and they've done a little bit more but nowhere near enough in allowing for people to control the things that they are being constantly reminded about on their devices it's just a incredible thing uh that that lauren wrote and just like a a real um a real amazing thing to have written and to share something so painful with us in a way that really helps highlight the issue so it's just a great article and then some of my favorite trends of the year and stories one is uh apple silicon uh like the upgradients just the way that that has continued to be such a fascinating story and is only continuing to get more interesting and allow for even more speculation. It's just been great. It's been a great time uh, this past year to talk about this stuff on this show and others. Like, you know, it, it is one of the rare things where uh, we have wild dreams, they are exceeded, and then we get to have even more wild dreams and see if they'll be exceeded. It's like, it's great. This, does, this kind of stuff doesn't happen very much. And then the other is app store regulation, just in general. It's a bit another thing that we've spoken about a ton. I like talking about it. Um, I do not feel as satisfied from this as I do about Apple Silicon and the way that that's mm. been going over the, the last year. I think that I hope there's going to be more results from this stuff, but currently it seems like the courts aren't going to be the way that it's done. Right. So what do you think? I don't know. I I'm kind of tempted to split the difference and and go with the upgradian pick of the App Store regulation. Apple Silicon was the story of the year last year, by the way. Yeah. Um, it, the story continues, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I I think maybe going with that because we talked about that a lot on Upgrade. I think that's a pretty good uh, general topic, and then maybe our our links are the runners up. Yeah, I like that. That makes a lot of sense because that's I guess difficult. Like because we both brought like a thing that we both personally thought was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Like picking one of those is really hard, but we, uh, you know, you can look at the content of the show. Uh, We like talking about app store regulation stuff. It's an interesting thing to talk about. For sure. Favorite tech screw up of the year. Mm. The upgradings voted at 6.6% for app store regulation. (laughs) (laughs) 
at 8% for Apple's CSAM announcement, uh, the child's sexual abuse material announcement. Yep. Mm-hmm. And 30.5% for Meta slash Facebook. Just a walking screw up. I guess that's the name, maybe, the naming is what they mean there? Well, yes and no. Again, I lumped these together because it didn't really make sense to me otherwise. Some people, it was a naming, and some people just write Facebook, which, Facebook. again, upgradients. Please feel free to vote whoever you want. But if Mike Hurley can help steer you, be more expressive about what you're... Like, there are so many people that just write the word Facebook, and it's like, I look, I understand you don't like Facebook. I get it, right? But give me more than that. You know, because if it, everybody just said the meta Facebook rebranding, fine. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that was a screw up at all. I actually think it was quite a smart move. I'm not really sure what the screw up is. Maybe people don't like the name. I don't know, but I think it makes sense. Anyway, it's not worth getting into now. It's obvious what the uh, the winner of this year is, right, Jason? I think by acclaim from you and me, the rollout of Apple's child safety features and the CSAM in particular, but really the whole thing, because it also encompasses the fact that they rolled out a bunch of stuff that was sort of interrelated and it caused certain features to get attached to other features in ways that just made the whole thing explode. And then Apple did had to do its its uh, uh, damage control where it there was like an announcement and then there was like a leaked mention and then there was another announcement and then there was another, like so many repeated damage control cycles had to happen. And then they pulled the features back and said, Based on feedback, we're going to uh, release these at a later time. And um, some of them have been released since recently. Others yeah. remain They're unreleased. And, and perhaps perhaps will never be released in the form that they were announced in. So this was a, a bunch of stuff that made you know people upset, uh, that called into question some of Apple's choices. Apple, as we, as we talked about on the show, Apple very much... Uh, released it like we are so awesome technically we have done an amazing thing and everybody said what are you doing this is terrible so badly badly uh communicated and some questionable questionable technology decisions and it all kind of fell apart so uh what a what a amazing tech screw up it was from apple this year yeah this is a big this was a Big one, honestly, like on the level that they usually don't do. Right? Like this was just like every part of it was bad. Like the way, as you say, like the way it was announced was terrible. Uh, the way that they had to retract it, the, everything was terrible. The way that it was like, oh no, we were just seeing what people thought about it. Like cause some of the wording you'd see in some press outlets is like, no, this is you've you messed up big time. And it's and it was again as we talk about it on the show. If they were just more open, it wouldn't have happened this way. Yeah. If they engaged with people more rather than just, as you say, I think you said at the time, coming down from the mountain with the stone mm-hmm. tablets of like, this is completed. We're getting ready to ship this. It, yeah. it would and be we've reinvented different. it. Yeah. Everybody else has got a different take on this, but we have reinvented it. And now it's going to be great. And everybody said, oh, we have all these problems with how you reinvented it. Yeah. That maybe we could have had that conversation out in public when you were talking about it, but instead you came down from the mountain and 
yeah, this is this is uh, and there's some conversation in the in the members discord about is this a PR problem or a tech problem? I think it is absolutely both. I think that whoever decided to conflate all of these features and maybe they were conflated by engineering um, or somebody on the technical side. And so it was just rolled out to PR and they had to do it this way. But nobody at any point said this is too many things that are not entirely interrelated and they're all going to be connected by the public when we announce it in ways that might, you know, somebody could have said, no, 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 let's roll these out separately. And they said, no, we're going to make a big blast here about about safety and protection. And it hurt them by doing that. And then it's also a technical thing because that choice of how they did the CSAM detection on device, which you can listen to our episode about it. We, we talked about it in detail. They did something for what they thought were the right reasons, but were not perceived that way by the public. And it's one of those things where they were reinventing the wheel. They were creating something new that they thought was superior. And it might be superior once you dig in. It might not be. And I was to say there's yeah. the argument that I think still remains is also for that they chose a path which was like the least resistance for them. Because then if they put it on the phones, they didn't have to do the scanning at scale in their data centers. Exactly. Right. They can use they can use your power on your device to do yeah. it. And at the same time, potentially changing the security of your device depending on who you talk to. Right. And it's like, I don't know if this is the right. Yeah. And, and I think they, as we said at the time, I think the for me, my best guess is they from a very technical perspective, we're thinking what we're doing is we're stopping you at the door on your way out to iCloud and doing a scan then. And there, and by doing this, we're protecting your privacy because we're not scanning you out in the cloud, nor are we scanning you on your device. We're scanning you at the doorway on the way out. Unfortunately, that is a really nuanced uh, idea that I think if you ha- aren't spending all your time thinking of how Apple software is architected, um, you end up boiling it down to the essentials, which is, oh, my device is looking at all my pictures, which mm-hmm. it's not quite, but sort of. And again, this is why it was a screw up. Yep. So easy one for us. Uh, the biggest tech screw up of the year was Apple CSAM announcement. And we'll put uh, Meta and Facebook in uh, and also App Store regulation as uh to run us up in that category. Congratulations, sure. everyone. Yeah, great. So our final three categories of the night are our podcast-related categories. And the Favorite Tech Podcast Award has a Lifetime Achievement Award winner, which is the Accidental Tech Podcast, which won uh, three years in a row, I believe, and picked up its Lifetime Achievement Award. The Upgradians voted for the following, a 5.6% with Dithering, 18.8%, with upgrade, we'll come back to that in a minute, <laughs> and twenty nine point five percent for connected. Uh, so those last two on Relay FM there. Uh, I just would say again, obviously one hundred percent of upgradians would vote for upgrade, but most of them just feel like they can't. I feel like I just need to say that every time because mm. it's obviously the way it goes, right, Jason? Obviously, every single time we find that upgradians' second favorite podcast is upgrade. <laughs> Stop that! That's not. No, that's not how we are. Number one, and then they just vote for us because they feel like they can't. I don't know. Uh, I have one that I want to. I usually don't have. um, Most years, I do not have uh, a show for this. Uh, But one I just wanted to say is Mac Power users. I yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I have been really getting into uh, the Mac more this year. So the show 
has become even more useful to me. Like because Mac Powers is focused on a bunch of stuff, right? Like I really love the episode they just did last week about the studio setups. And those are the episodes I would always listen to, like without fail. But I would pick and choose some because they did a, a lot of obviously Mac focused shows and I just wasn't really so Mac focused. I have become much more Mac focused, so I'm listening to the show more and more and more than I ever have uh, in years. And Stephen and David, they're really good together. They are a very good pair. They do a great job. Their interviews are really good. They get some wild guests. They just had someone from Pixar on the show. It was like fascinating stuff. Yeah, they do a really great job of Mac Power users, and I just wanted to recognize that. I agree. I like that show a lot. I think that they had to figure out what they were doing when the host change happened and when Steven came in, and I think that they have successfully kept... Uh, kept the show going and that's not a a given that was a hard job that the two of them had to do a long-running show with the two hosts uh and then one of the hosts leaves like there is that is not a given that 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 show can continue to exist usually that would kill a a podcast and and the two of them are only getting to new heights together it's just just super great testament um my favorite tech podcast is probably connected that's very sweet of you to say thank you um which is why apparently I then conspire to possess it because we you got to kill the things you love. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like app stories. Yep. I like under the radar. Yep. I like automators, which I think we maybe gave an award to. We did, and I want I want to do one more shout out to the rebound, which is Lex Friedman and John Moltz and Dan Morin. It is like. Imagine, if you will, a kind of alternate universe version of Connected. I know that's hard to do, but the rebound, the rebound <laughs> no, is kind of like imagine that. Imagine an alternate universe of Connected, not that one, is the rebound. Not that one. It's the other one. It's the rebound. And James Thompson is on there sometimes, and Guy English is on there sometimes. And it is a, but it is like, the rebound is like Connected in that it's a tech podcast with three guys, and it's kind of about the jokes. <laughs> Uh, it's very funny, funny podcast. So I, I want to recommend that. I'd be okay giving this to MPU with upgrade and connected as the runners up. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. I'm totally up with that. Let's do it. Let's Mac do it. Power Users is the our favorite technology podcast of the year because look, it is very rare when me and Jason both bring something to this category where they match. So I think yeah. it's good to to honor that. Yeah, it's a good uh, one. Connected did win this uh, multiple years ago. Otherwise, is basically a runner-up every single year. Sure. Uh, but, you know, I don't really like giving awards to myself. So I want to win them. I don't want to be the one that gives the podcast award to Yeah, myself. one of these days we should just give Upgrade the winner. I, I think I think if he... Up- well, I should, should I say this? No, you shouldn't say it. But everybody knows what we- you were about to say. We don't yeah. actually say it. And I agree with you. And then we okay. move on. To All our right. favorite non-tech podcast, <laughs> the Lifetime Achievement Award winner being the Flophouse. The Flophouse. Yeah. I think. I think if I remember rightly, the Flophouse and ATP. Yeah, they both in the first three years won each year, yes. and so each we year. created the Lifetime Achievement Award for them primarily, mm-hmm. because otherwise they would probably win most years. So yeah, we wanted to Nobody change that. that up. And the Upgradians voted thusly. 2.9% for Dubai Friday, 5.9% for Cortex, and 5.7% for Reconcilable Differences. This is always a really interesting category to me because it's one of the closest. Because um, everybody listens to lots of different podcasts. 
and uh, that's a, you know so they they yeah. there's a lot a lot a lot of votes for this reconcilable differences won last year just as a, did as a note that's there. that's that's about right mm-hmm. it's a non it's a great podcast I like it a lot mm-hmm. uh, nominations I brought to the table this time for all mankind official podcast from Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Foundation official podcast from Apple. Wow, look at they you! Did a good job with that, fanboy. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. The I, I well, I could I could counter that and say uh, the Foundation official podcast, in which the creator of the show sometimes needed to explain what was happening in his show. Anyway, Ooh. Um, Ooh. <laughs> the I, a perennial for me is the pause cast with uh, Joe Posnanski and Michael Schur, where they draft things and talk about sports. Uh, now on its fifth home i think but still releasing podcasts and i'll throw in uh rectifs and cortex as both uh those are both shows that i don't listen to every episode but i do listen to a lot i appreciate that i reconcile uh, sorry cortex one of the only shows that appears in both of the categories nobody ever knows where to vote for it which personally i see as a great victory of my own Mm -hmm. nobody's really sure what kind of podcast is this and my answer is yes (laughs) um i will say for uh for for rectus it is just a truly fantastic show and i'm halfway through uh the most recent episode and oh the refrigerator i've got that at the top of my queue i haven't listened yet i'm already feeling like this is going to be another classic i'm like a third of the way through the episode um i i I wanted to make my nomination for talking sopranos um I I think last year uh, I spoke about I, th- I think last year I spoke about the West Wing Weekly as as one of my favorite shows because I've just that sounds right watching the West Wing. Uh, Talking Sopranos is like this. Um, it is two of well actually more than if anything two of the uh, Steve Schripper who played Bobby and uh, Michael Imperioli who played uh, Chrissy Christopher. Uh, they started the show in March of 2020. So it was a pandemic project for them because they had a touring show where they would do like uh, stories about the Sopranos. And they, this week, completed uh, every episode. And it's fantastic. You know, like the shows that are like this, the ones that are produced by people involved with it, they have stories that you otherwise wouldn't hear and they have access to absolutely everybody. And they interviewed everyone to do with this show. You know, it's, it is uh, strange in places. It's a little bit like... They have a really interesting and I think really very funny and gr- dynamic between the two of them. And But some people might not like that. And it's a little uh, off-color in some places too, which I would totally understand if people wouldn't like, but also... I don't know. It's kind of expected, I think, about a show about The Sopranos. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have really enjoyed this show. Um, and Because The Sopranos is one of my favorite shows ever. And getting to hear about the stories that went, you know, that and, and the people and the mindset of like what went into creating this show, I just think is really great. I, I haven't started listening to um, uh, Parks and Recollection yet, but that's going to be one that ah. I think will fill this hole when I'm done with talking Sopranos. Uh, so yeah, that, that would be one of my recommendations this year. I'm not going to push for it to win. I, I'm very happy with it being a runner up. Um, okay. But I, I, what do you want to do for the, for this, uh, for this category this year? 
So just uh, for I I need to I need to consult the official Bible of the Upgradies Upgradies dot com. Last year it was it was Rectifs. Has Rectifs won twice or just once? Rectifs has won once. Okay. I do want to note I've made an error in my uh, list here by saying Cortex got five point nine percent and Reconcilable Differences got five point seven percent. I think it was six point seven percent. I know it was more uh, than Cortex though, so uh, I, yeah. I misspoke there. It did. I don't. I cannot tell you the exact thing. I think I just mistyped it. It must have been six point seven. All right. I'm going to say since since Rec Diffs was number one by the Upgradians, uh, let's let's give it let's give it the award again. Yeah, it's a good podcast. It's a very good show uh, that people should be listening to here on Relay FM yeah. if they're not. Excellent already. show notes as well. Excellent show notes. Excellent show notes. Um, would you like to give another runner-up? Yeah, let's do. We'll we'll do your Talking Sopranos runner-up, yep. and let's make. Um, let's make uh, Cortex the other runner-up. Look at that. So, like, like upgrade, it 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 you know didn't win, but it's an honor just to be nominated. Merlin Man is a strong winner of this category. This is Merlin's yes. fifth win, I believe, in this category. Yeah, or fourth, That's, fourth oh, win. That was great. That was very award show. This is Merlin's fifth Merlin win Man. in this category. Is Merlin He's Man. nominated tonight for two categories. I think this is also. I think I believe Merlin is a five-time. Maybe six time overall winner in the upgrade is though. The, uh, Rakdiff's one favorite podcast newcomer in 2015. Um, no, it makes him five. And then uh, Dubai Friday has picked up two awards, and Reconcilable Differences has now picked mm. up two awards. The heavily awarded Merlin Man. And so we get to mm. our final award of the evening for favorite podcast newcomer of the year 3.1% for Football is Life on the Incomparable. Oh, four point eight percent for Conduit here on Relay FM, and a massive twenty-eight point five percent of the vote. One of the highest percentages of the evening goes for Downstream here on Relay FM. Am I on that one? Is that mine? You're on that one. That's one of your <laughs> ones. Uh, that obviously makes a lot of sense, and it is my personal pick as well. Downstream. Uh, I really wanted this show to exist because it's obviously a topic that we both care about greatly. Uh, Julia is the perfect person uh, to host this show and along with you. And so I, I really love Downstream. It's just what I want. It's it's a, mm. a lot of information and it's told in a really great way with a lot of great context that two of you provide uh, about an, a, an area that I do find fascinating, which is how do these big companies navigate this landscape? So I think Downstream is a very worthy winner of this award. Well, if you would, if if you and the Upgradians agree, then I'm happy to accept this award on Julia's behalf, and also, um, it, it is something we would, would like to have you on at some point. I would love to be on um, to talk about what the UK lay of the land is. We're going to try to do oh, that yeah. with the UK and Australia, and mm-hmm. maybe find some other guests to explain what streaming uh, looks like in their countries because it's well, different. I could just tell you right now, Sky ate it all up. Thanks for coming, everyone. I'm going to leave oh, now. Nice, <laughs> but I have lots of opinions on that. So yeah, I would love to be on the show. So yes, congratulations to Downstream for the favorite podcast Thank newcomer you. award, and Conduit and Football is Life in the runners-up. Great. Look at that. So that was the 2021 Upgradies Awards. Oh, how about that? Congratulations, we did it. everybody. Congratulations to all of our winners, all of our nominees, all of our runner-ups. 
thank you to every Upgradian for listening. This is obviously our very last episode of the year 2021. <laughs> Uh, I'm really wow. excited to kick I, off I another so. year of the show. Unless Apple like announces an event for January 4th and we have to come back and do a draft, but probably not. Probably not. Probably not. I'm, I'm going to hope not anyway. Uh, I would say 2021, been a weird old year, but for this show, yep. been a great year. I, yeah, I've, really, I I've really enjoyed everything that we've done this year. I, agree. I think it's been one of our strongest, if not our strongest year of the show. I, I you know, I think I'll re- take a moment to reflect now. I, I love the interviews that we've had, all of the drafts and stuff, and the event coverage we've done. Summer of Fun was great this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, you know, obviously we we're continuing to really enjoy producing uh, bonus content in Upgrade Plus, and thank yep. you again to every Upgradian that supports the show that way. But the biggest thanks we can give to at this time of year um, is for everybody that listens to the show uh, and loves the show and, and and continues to share it with people and. Yeah, I love doing this, um, mm-hmm. and I'm very thankful that I get to do this show with Jason every week. So, uh, thank you to everybody for listening, Jason. Thank you for uh, working with me on this project. It's a yes, great honor. Thank you, Mike. It's been a while now, and yet here we are. We're still doing it. I love it. It's a huge part of my week every yeah. week. Great way to start my week too. And uh, I, yeah, it. Likewise, I think we're st- I think we're making good episodes and having good conversations, and I really enjoy talking to you every week. And I am. Interested in the fact that this is the year where I broke the seal and we did an episode that I was mostly not on. That was a that was a milestone for me. And even then, I couldn't resist being on a little bit. We have to have you on a little bit. Just a little. A little tiny bit. Uh, if you'd like to find uh, some information about the award winners, go to Upgradies.com. You'll find uh, all of the links there to all of the content and all of the shows and everything that we've spoken about. And thank you to Zach Knox for the, the great work. Uh, the Zach does on that project. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next year. Until oh. then, thank you, for, thank you for this wonderful evening. Uh, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, Jason Snell. <laughs> <laughs>